we're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each week's film is connected to the last by a single cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's film is... Donnie Darko. How's it going, George? I'm good, thanks, mate. How you doing, Dan? You all right? Very well, thank you. Very well. Uh, first time we've uh, been in the studio doing a normal episode for a while, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's great to be back sort of doing, um, you know, one of our sort of like main mainline episodes after last week's really successful and um, thoroughly enjoyable uh, unpopular opinion episode, which was great, wasn't it? It was amazing. And the response has been incredible. So again, thank you for everyone who did uh, contribute and and thank you to everyone else uh, for, for your amazing response. It's, it's been really nice. Oh, it's been brilliant. Brilliant. And like, it's just so good to see like how passionate, you know, everyone, everyone is about movies and, you know, everyone sort of, you know, put in some really, really good suggestions. And I mean, we've probably got enough for another episode, haven't we, Dan? So, yeah, we've, we've had a few more free, uh, through since as well. Yeah, which is, which is really funny. Yeah. I mean, people like five weeks later going like, oh, this is my unpopular opinion. I'm yeah. like, I love it. I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> so we're saving them up. We could definitely do another. But yeah, good to be back um, talking about, I mean, this is what, like episode 40 odd? We're yeah. near our 50th episode, aren't we? Mm, yeah, getting there. Yeah, we, we might have we, get we, drunk we, again. Yeah, we should mark it. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't heard our drunk episode, uh, listen back. It's the uh, Tropic Thunder episode, and uh, uh, George won't uh, <laughs> won't like me telling you this, but it's worth listening just for the end. Oh, man, the end was. I've still got a hangover now from that, but um, yeah, that was fun. So yeah, we'll do something to mark our fiftieth. But um, yeah, cool. So back on a mainline episode, um, and yeah, excited to be here, mate. Good stuff. Well, let's get straight into it, mate. Have you seen anything good this week? Yes, I have actually. So um, over the last few weeks. Um, as you'll know, there's been like tons at the cinema and I've um, I've managed to sort of tick off pretty much everything I wanted to see at the cinema. Um, you know, I was going sort of twice a week because there was a lot to get through. And the last film I had, which I had like a tiny interest in, not a lot, was um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Mm. And um, basically, I wasn't that excited to go in and watch it, but I thought, well, I'll get, you know, it, it was on, so I thought I'll go and just tick that off and just, um, you know, went in with thoroughly low expectations because the first was so forgettable. Yeah. Um, anyway, went in, watched it, and you know what? I loved it, mate. I thought it was really, really good. It was such a, a thrill ride. It, honestly, it was really fun. So I went in, like I say, low expectations. I thought the first was really, really boring, to be honest. Um, in this one, uh, Tom Hardy and Venom have like so much good banter between them. Like it's really, really funny. And like the, the stuff that Venom basically gets Tom Hardy into so much trouble, like throughout the whole film, you know, Venom's doing stuff and Tom Hardy's trying to sort of fix it. And it's just, it's really, really funny. Secondly, um, it's got a great baddie. So Woody Harrelson, he plays Carnage, who's like a another sort of Venom type mm. um he's more stronger than venom um you know and so there's there's a, there's a big threat there but i mean woody harrelson is you know is, is a great actor he's always awesome in pretty much everything he's in and so he adds a lot to this movie and you know it's 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 uh it's not a long movie like i say it's way under two hours so it flies by you know before you know it the credits are rolling and you just want more and i tell you what like i'm not a big marvel fan as you know but this i thought was great i loved it i thought it was so much fun like for me right up there with you know the spider-man films which are my favorite marvel movies i really really liked it and um without giving too much away there are like it seems to be that they are starting to link venom in with like the mcu which is exciting because i would love to see tom hardy and venom in you know a spider-man movie or the spider-man movie coming up you yeah. know i think that will that'll be great so yeah i fucking loved it mate it's great i'm shook mate i'm proper shook that you uh, like you say you're not a massive marvel fan and uh, 
I don't think many people loved the first Venom uh, movie, and a lot of people surprised that they actually got a sequel. Uh, the one thing that I've, and I think I've said it on this podcast, that encouraged me about this, and bear in mind that I am a, a bigger Marvel fan than you, and I haven't seen it, and it's one of the last things I haven't seen in the cinema at the moment. Um, so I'm in no rush to see it, and I was going to wait until <laughs> streaming. So uh, you might change my mind there. But the one thing that had persuaded me that maybe this might be of a different ilk is is the fact that Andy Serkis was involved um and uh, I've I've enjoyed everything he's done not only you know directing which I, I think he's 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 really good at so yeah I was excited to see him but then I saw reviews kind of not amazing uh not you know not terrible and I'm not usually persuaded by reviews and I, I'm just I just haven't been in a rush to see it but maybe I am now Mm, I, I was really surprised and I mean part of that could have been when it was such low expectations that um, you know it, it just sort of surprised me but I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, much more than I thought it would and like I say by the end I just wanted more and I don't usually say that at the end of like a Marvel film and um, yeah I mean my favourite Marvel films are probably the Spider-Man films and um, you know this is for me like right up there I thoroughly enjoyed it and um, I hope that you know I hope that you know Venom does get into like the MCU somehow and they sort of you know we sort of explore that a bit because um yeah it's good well like I say I'm shook but um yeah I'm gonna have to watch it and see if I agree yeah excellent so um that's definitely on on your to-do list Dan I'll be interested to hear what you think of Venom because um yeah like I say I thoroughly enjoyed and then the second thing I watched um very recently which again is something I thoroughly enjoyed too so uh, you know I've been watching some good stuff is something that came on Netflix about two or three weeks ago I saw the poster pop up on like Instagram and stuff and I thought oh that looks interesting and it's a film called The Harder They Fall Mm, yeah um really really cool posters that I was seeing I thought oh that's good basically cowboy film the one thing that sort of sets this apart is that um, basically it concentrates on like black cowboys, you know, so it's not your standard like white cowboy. You've got basically most of the cast, you know, are black actors and it just it just gives you like a different sort of cowboy movie. And um, again, I thought it was brilliant. It's such, such a thrill ride. Um, it's got it's got some really, really good talent in. It's got Idris Alba. It's got that Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, um, you know, it's got, um, I forget her name, but she's the main, um, the main lady in the Watchmen series, which was a really 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 good series and she's an awesome actress and um yeah it's just brilliant basically um it's you know set in the wild west um it's it's basically your classic sort of like it's got all your you've got your shootouts it's got like your bank robbery your train robbery it's got all the sort of like tropes of a, of a cowboy film but it just they've injected like a lot more life into it so for example like with the music and the soundtrack there's like a lot of like rap music you know the, the dialogue between the cowboys isn't your usual sort of like cowboy dialogue they they um, speak a lot more like sort of like street talk you know and it just it just injects like a fresh emphasis I think or a fresh um, you know a fresh way of looking at cowboys Mm. and basically it's quite a long movie it's about 2 hours 20 Um, and again for me it just flew by I thoroughly enjoyed it Um, one small criticism is that there's parts of the movie where they come up with these like quite elaborate plans and sometimes it's quite easy to get lost in like exactly what like their motivations are you think hang on a minute why is he doing that why is he robbing that bank why is he blowing that up when he wants to save that woman blah 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 but that's a small gripe overall it's really, really fun. And I think Netflix did a great job with that. So the harder they fall, cowboy movie with a difference, it's um, it's well worth a watch, mate. It's That's good. been on my list. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, it's cool. Unfortunately, I made the I made the wrong choice when it comes to uh, Netflix films. Uh, oh, no. I'll, I'll get on to that. Have you finished with yours? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much me. I okay. mean, to be honest, mate, I could go on for about three hours about <laughs> yeah. what I've watched in the last month or so, but um, I'll, I'll stick with those two. So what about you, Dan? Have you watched anything good? Uh, yeah, I've watched uh, hmm. a, a, a few good things. So I did want to talk about that Netflix uh, a film that I chose over 
the harder they fall, uh, which was uh, Red Notice. Have you seen it? No. And um, do you know what? I saw the thing pop up and it really doesn't look like my sort of movie. Um, Was it Ryan Reynolds and The Rock? And The Rock and uh, Gal Gadot as well. Um, The the thing about it, right, is I watched it on a a Saturday night with the family, Mm. a little four-year-old and and my wife and, well, an eight-month-old, but he wasn't really watching. He was was too busy eating and shitting himself. (laughs) What a legend. Uh, uh, but it was a family-friendly film, uh, or so I thought um, uh, to watch. Uh, so I sat down, and anyone who's listened to our recent episodes, I think for the last four episodes we've mentioned Ryan Reynolds, and he came up in unpopular opinions. Uh, somebody mentioned that um, they are getting very fed up with his shtick, and and we agree, hundred uh, percent. And I've heard since on other podcasts I've listened to, film podcasts, that um, reviewers are saying the same thing. Ryan Reynolds' stick's getting very boring. So uh, we're not the only ones. It's not an unpopular opinion. I think we said that at the time. I think uh, it's it's become a bit of a popular opinion. Wasn't he retiring? It, he's he's <laughs> taking a sabbatical, yeah. It's the, he's pretty active in this yeah. sabbatical. Anyway, I'm sure he did this ages The days. amount of films that he just ploughs up. But <laughs> I've, like... This film, right? And I, like I said, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's just, he needs to do something different. Um, the Rock, I like The Rock. He needs to do something different. <laughs> yes. They, they Both of them in this are just playing themselves. There's there's nothing different about it. And and it, it, this, I think it's the most expensive Netflix movie. Um, what? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And look, it's meant to be this like globe-trotting romp, you know, a la like Indiana Jones or something like that, 80s style, you know, globe-trotting romp uh, right. family movie. And it's just, it's just nothing about it works for me. It, it, like I'd switched off and I found myself the phone creeping up to my face you know, obscuring <laughs> the movie every now and then I was like no no stop give it a go give it a go and it was just I did the banter was forced like it it just uh, Gal, Gal Gadot was kind of also playing Gal Gadot three of the biggest movie stars out there at the moment and just nothing going for it and it, it was it was a shame because like i said i do like those people involved i just think some of them need to check themselves slightly and um yeah i'm not, I'm not going to say that to the rock's face uh, but <laughs> i i love the rock i'm a massive fan of the rock i was a big wrestling fan when i was younger i loved him then i loved the fact that he came over to movies and basically took the man to lavani i think he's got masses of charisma but this just isn't that film it's not the right film um and i was massively disappointed and i can't believe it's become the most you know, it was the most, uh, the highest viewed film, uh, opening film day. It was. Did you hear that? No, but do you know what, mate? <clears throat> I'm literally not surprised. Like, no, I, I, I know um, that what you're saying right now is probably going to be an unpopular opinion because I know yeah. loads of people which will be saying that we saying, it's so amazing, it's mm. such a great movie. You know, I feel, I think it will have its fans, but. I, I looked at it and thought it's not for me. You've confirmed that for me. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's not for not, you, mate. No. I'm telling you now, it's not for you, mate. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, so that's one, one uh, negative. Uh, what I did want to talk about, which we haven't really talked about on the podcast yet because of uh, the nature of our last couple of episodes, is is, is Dune. Oh, mate. <laughs> Speak away. Dune oh, fucking rocks. How much did you love Dune? Oh, mate. I loved it. So, like, um, I remember, like, quite vividly, the first, like, half an hour, um, there isn't anything massive happening. And so, like, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I really want to like this. I really want to like this. And there's a lot of talking in the first half an hour. And, like, they are just setting the scene and they're world building. And so it's got to be done. But I was like, I hope I'm going to, I hope I'm going to like this. And then something happens in the middle. Basically, there's this whole bit of, like, sandworms. And, oh, my God, like, I was literally, like, blown away. And I'll tell you what, if there's ever a movie where you have to sit in the cinema, it's this, isn't it? 100%. It's it's one of my favourite cinematic moments, uh, I was going to say, of the year, but maybe it it might have hit my top ten of all time, is, is there's certain bits in this that I was just like, it's just like awe up on the screen. It was like... 
wow like oh, yeah they have just created they've got s- somehow uh the the scale is translated like a lot of time in the films like you watch films like godzilla uh you know the older ones maybe even even the new ones you don't really get a sense of the scale of what they're trying to get across but there's parts of this like those sandworms and i'll try not to go into too many spoilers uh but it was just like fuck and you felt the dread you know like sometimes in a dream where you feel like you're falling over and you feel that i felt the scale of this monster standing in front of me um and it, oh man it's pure cinema and uh, on top of that the visuals are incredible the uh the, the script's great i think for something that's supposed to be completely unfilmable um i, I think they've done an amazing job and the, the balls they took to say part two coming you know <laughs> you know to be continued yeah uh, and without it even being it being yeah. confirmed or whatever well, it needs to because it's fucking great and and we, me and you uh, you and i have been talking about this for a while we want to you know we're looking forward to seeing june it could be amazing it could be the next massive thing um and it 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 it, it went above my expectations and and i'm not you know the source material we're not massive fans of um i, I had a general idea of what it was about um but this just it just blew me away and it's i think it's my film of the year so far wow that's yeah. big big yeah. praise I, I was thinking back and i thought what what's been better than it in the cinema yeah i mean apart like, from venom i'm joking <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. it, it, mate, it's it's maybe, right up there may, for me maybe freaky uh, i don't know <laughs> no it just generally i think it, it i think it's up there and i was thinking i was thinking at the time i was like oh we need to do our top 10 cinema movies of of the year at the end of the mm, year that would be good that. that would be a uh, good episode because usually we talk about older films um we don't really rank uh, the newer films but uh, mm. obviously we go cinema every week and uh, it'll be good to know uh, and and tell others what we think are our top ten. What did you um What did you think of um T- Timothy Chalamet as the lead? I liked him. Yeah, same. Yeah. I thought like yeah. I, I thought he was a really really watchable yeah. character. Yeah. And you know, I I've, when I saw the trailers and you know and things, I thought I'm sure a lot of people did. Thought he might get a bit annoying, and yeah. I didn't think he was at all. I thought he was no, great. I, I really I th- liked him. I thought everybody was on fine form. Yeah, I think um, Skarsgård is is a particular shining oh, example. He for was me. awesome with <laughs> how he like floats up or whatever. He's got yeah. I don't know some mechanical thing under yeah. him. Whatever, he's awesome eating chicken or like. And like, do you know what? after saying all this, the visuals, the script, the acting, and all that, that my. The, the standout thing for me was the sound design and uh, and the soundtrack. It's Hans, was Hans, Zim- Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who who can be a bit bit monotonous in some of his films. And <laughs> I think that came up in our first ever episode <laughs> yeah. when we spoke about Inception. Um, and it, it, he can do the same horns and things all the time, but in this, it just felt alien, otherworldly. Um, it put you on on edge. Um, uh, yeah, I just, mate, I was, I was blown away by it. And, and there was bits where it was just like hairs standing up on, on the back of my neck and it, it's, yeah, I, I loved it. I was sat there in the cinema with only about five people in this screening, massive screening. It was quite a late one to be fair. Mm. And I was like, oh, please, I hope this film does well. I really hope this film does well. And it seems to be tracking well, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things after like COVID, you know, it's hard for films to get anywhere near what they used to. Mm. But I think like on the grand scheme of things, it's, I mean, I mean, the second one's already greenlit and it sounds like it's doing pretty well compared to other, you know, post-pandemic yeah. films. So, 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I tell you what, I got the same feeling after watching it that I'm, I got f- from the end of The Fellowship of the Ring. Like, I, I love that movie, yeah. as, as you do and as we all do. And when I was in the cinema when I was a kid and that ended, I was just like, oh, man, I want more, like, yeah, yeah. so much. And I got the same feeling with Dune. And, like, to be honest, like, my excitement was mix, mixed with, like, sadness. I was like, shit, like, we're going to be waiting at least two years yeah, for another part. Do, yeah, how long do I have to wait, you know? Me. Well, yeah, it, I remember, it's exactly the same for me. It's probably the last time I felt that. Maybe. Infinity War at the end of Infinity War. Oh, I bet you were gagging for the rest of that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's one of those feelings of fuck. They've ended it here. Yeah, I want to know more. Um, I want to get to know these characters. There's certain characters in it that we we only see in dream sequences until near the end, yeah. and then you're like, I want to get to know more. What is this about? The whole mythology, the 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 the, the spice, everything. Just oh, I just love it. It's just dripping in in. In everything I love about cinema, I just yeah. loved it. I loved You've been it. dooned. I have. I have been dooned. I'm a dune head. <laughs> dune head, like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, we both loved it. And um, so good that we're going to get a second. It's going to be a while off. But, yeah, everyone yeah. involved did a fucking cracking job. Yeah. And um, If you yeah. haven't seen it yet, get out and see it because uh, it needs to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. I mean, we say that quite often, don't we? But yeah. this is, I don't think we could ever say about more about a film. No. It has to sit at the cinema. Yeah. It's never going to be as good on anything you've got at home it just right. has to be seen on the biggest screen possible and exactly um, yeah the biggest yeah. one you could find an amazing sound system mm-hmm. it's, it's worth it honestly uh yeah incredible and uh, i did uh, last uh, finally I, I popped to see eternals uh, the other day uh, which is the latest uh, in the mcu oeuvre, and i was uh, middling i think i text you saying it was meh mm. and then i said no meh is slightly you harsh. retracted your meh yeah. it's it's slightly better than meh it, there were some good moments in it. I, I, I'm excited by the prospect of some of the characters and some of the things uh, that happen in it. Um, there's a particular superhero that turns up in the uh, end, end credits that are just like, what the hell is going on? Do you know about this? I don't know. Um, so is it so is it someone from another Marvel film who just appears and you're like, what? No, so it's somebody who hasn't been in a Marvel film before, but they turn up as a, as a superhero. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to bleep this out for the audience uh, just in case. Uh, so no spoilers, but I'm going to tell you, George, and, and, and bleep it out. So... Yeah. Um, at the end, and uh, post credits, uh, there's there's a scene, and uh, a couple of the main characters are there chilling out, and suddenly this kind of something happens. They hear a bit of commotion, and this like another hero walks in, based on a on a on a, on a god, and uh, it's none other than from fame. <laughs> what? just rocks up yeah the fuck yeah. and um what's the whole like void what's what's what are they doing in it so he's gonna be in the mcu from now on as 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 this god not himself no he's, right. he's thanos's brother <laughs> okay he's thanos's brother wow yeah. okay that's interesting he's thanos's brother <laughs> yeah. what like a small like thin guy yeah is yeah. what the fuck i mean i i guess i gotta see it to really like understand what's going on but that doesn't sound right <laughs> It, it shocked me. I was like, okay, but I tell you what, he's quite good in it. He's, well, like, he's only in it for like a minute, but he, he's quite good in it. Well, I mean, I remember when um, when he got announced as being in. I was like, what? Yeah. And it just worked. I mean, he—I yeah. thought he was really good. He, um, you know, he, he did a fine job. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna enough. have to bleep out by the way because then people will be able to work out who it is good but, shout but that's yeah. fine that's, that's fine. fine yeah we'll- so oh, <laughs> look we, we all know that is un- uh, all right but we, we can't tell you about <laughs> being in in, yeah. in eternal was so. the last we'll speak about yeah. being in stop saying 
Sorry, can't help it. He's on the he's on the brain now. That's yeah. mental. Um, that is mental. Well, one thing I was going to ask about Eternals is um, is it like a real good looking film? The only reason I say that is I know the lady who directed it, mm. um, and that's quite cool anyway. That a lady's directing it, you know. Um, she's the one who did that Nomadland, yeah. which was like a real beautiful looking film. So I thought, oh, if anything, it will be a good looking movie. Yeah, it does. It looks great. Yeah, there's some there's some great set design. Um, it's yeah, it's re- it's really good. I, I just I think uh, like many many of these marvel films it it feels a bit um origin story it feel it now this is why i'm excited by the prospect of the characters rather than the film itself because i feel that the film is weighed down by the amount of char- new characters that are in it and they, everybody's got to get their time um i i think there's some really imaginative fight scenes and, and battles and I, I, the ending isn't too bad in in terms of marvel films because they can all fall a bit flat at the end um, but this this one wasn't too bad. I was, I was quite invested in it. And there is, we were talking about that that feeling of awe when we watched Dune. There was a, a, a small a small moment like that in in this film as well near the end, Ooh. where the, the scale of something really hit you. Um, and yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say <laughs> people 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 not allowed to know. Turns up in the last oh, few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, look, I'm excited by these characters going forward. I'm looking forward to seeing them interact with other MCU uh, heroes. Um, but yeah, the film itself is okay. Cool. Well, like I say, uh, from what you've said, Dan, I probably won't get to see it in the cinema, but it's not really my bag, you know what I mean? So I'm glad I, I wouldn't push you to go and watch it, mate, to no. be honest. I don't think it's going to... It's going to be on the top of your list. No, fair enough. So, mate, shall we uh, crack on with this week's film? Yeah, let's crack on with Donnie Darko. Drop the trailer. It was as though this plan had been with him all his life, pondered through the seasons. Now, in his 15th year, crystallized with the pain of puberty. So, why'd you move here? My mom had to get a restraining order against my stepdad. He has emotional problems. Oh, I have those too. What kind of emotional problems does your dad have? I met a new friend. Real or imaginary? Your cup, Tony. Imaginary. I'm gonna tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by these instruments of fear. I haven't seen stuff. Donnie is experiencing what is commonly called a daylight hallucination. I have to obey him. He saved my life. Have you ever seen a portal? Has he ever told you about his friend Frank, the giant bunny rabbit? The what? Every living thing follows along set path, and if you could see your path or channel, then you could see into the future, right? I'm not going to be able to continue this conversation. Don't worry, you got away with it. What is going to happen? I only have a few days left before they catch me. Gonna stop. You should already know that.
How about that? Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I really liked about that trailer um, is Donnie Darko's obviously got some really good like um, songs in, but it's also got really, really good like sort of like background music that just builds and, and ambient, that, ambient kind yeah. of soundtrack isn't and it? that had a, a real nice bit of music dun, mm. dun, 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 yeah. Dun. like yeah i love the music on donnie darko it's awesome and so the trailer was full of that awesome. yeah good stuff uh before we go any further mate do you want to give us a george's famous synopsis yeah love to so um donnie darko is a film about um uh, a teenager called donnie darko and um he's got you know he's, he's going to counseling he's got sort of um you know uh mental um health issues and um the film is about he gets told pretty early on that the world's going to end in sort of 28 days or so and the film basically follows him and um, other people in the neighborhood slash teachers at school and we sort of follow him on some of his um you know sort of escapades and his sort of like mental episodes and things and the film is yeah basically about uh you know the end of the world coming in in, in a few days time mm, good effort mate but let me give you uh, the first one i found on google during the presidential election of 1988, a teenager named Donnie Darko sleepwalks out of his house one night and sees a giant, demonic-looking rabbit named Frank, who tells him the world will end in 28 days. When Donnie returns home, he finds that a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. Is Donnie living in a parallel universe? Is he suffering from mental illness? Or will the world end? Mm, exciting. Yeah. So, uh... It sounds so random when you put it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> it is random. I mean, I'll say a little caveat now, you know. Um, I, I've seen this film now three times. Like, once when I was, like, younger. And I actually watched it twice um, for this podcast. Just, usually I watch it from once. Once is what I need, usually. But um, I, I was working today, and I was doing a bit of work where I had the opportunity to, like, put something on in the background. And I thought, oh, I'll just put it on again, you know. So I've actually watched it three times. And my point was going to be that, yeah, there's still so much of this film I don't get. You know, um, so you're right when you say it's random because it's well random. Yeah, and that was kind of, I remember the hype at the time. This hit exactly at the right point for me. We've talked in the the um, uh, in the past about my film snob years where I was hmm. very, very snobby about film, thought I knew everything. You know, we all go through those stages, whether it be with music or whatever your, whatever your passion is. Went through a stage of, you know, kicking back against the, the, the norm. And this was one of those films where the cool kids like Donnie Darko and, and got it, you know. Mm. I, I get it, you know. You don't understand Donnie. <laughs> if you don't understand Donnie Darko, you're an idiot, you know. Yeah, uh, you're so, Yeah, so it was a big part of my life for about a year. I was watching it every night. Introduce it to people. Oh, you really should watch Donnie Darko. <laughs> Thinking that I'm the only person who's aware of it, even though it's been this massive hit. Um, so, yeah, other than, you know, completely slagging off my uh, past self, um, I, I've, I think I watched it again maybe about 10 years ago, mm. um, considering what, this is 20 years old now, right? Um, so I watched yeah. it again 10 years ago and, um, and yeah, felt felt different about it that time and, and felt um, some some new things. And I've, uh, it, like with many films that we discussed on this podcast, my my opinions on it have have changed. Um, and I'll let you know whether that's for for good or ill as, as, as we continue. But mm. um, it was it was at a seminal point in my life and it was quite influential in my tastes for a while as well. For even if it was only for a year or so, um, it, it pushed me to look for more kind of ambiguous and 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 trying and and testing uh, uh, films so yeah that's that's where it stood for me and it was it was nice to revisit it so it seems like one of those films that i'm going to watch every 10 years right well or every 28 days yeah, no thank you <laughs> um, i'm not watching this film every 28 days mate i sort of had the um opposite to you is that when i watched it um i 
I was probably in the time when I only really liked like well mainstream stuff. Yeah. And so I remember when I watched this when I was younger, probably let's say it was like 2003, 2004. This came out in 2001. So it's been a couple of years old. 2003, 2004 was about 13, 14, you know, watched it. And at the time it was like too weird for me. And so um, to be honest, when I watched it when I was younger, I was like, nah, it's not really for me. Um, so I was well keen to revisit it because um you know, I know it's a, it's a cult movie. It's loved by a lot of people. And so I thought, yeah, when I saw this come up as a possible link, I thought we're watching this and yeah. we're going to, you know, we're going to right into it. Great choice. Well, let's let's get into it, mate. Uh, so it opens up and we see a body lying on a mountain road, which, as as the synopsis from Google uh, told us, is, hmm. is Donnie. Um, and you see his bike strewn on the on the side of the road. Um, and then out of nowhere, he sits up and it's it's a... <laughs> very young looking mate jake gyllenhaal my note says jake gyllenhaal is so young like it's unbelievable um, he looks too young to act doesn't yeah he? <laughs> he's i've got so used to him looking like a certain age um and he looks so young um but what i would say about this film is that um even though i didn't really like it too much when i was younger um this is always a film i think about jake gyllenhaal being yeah. in and i think it i think a lot of people will share that feeling i'm sure you do same yeah. um i think this will be forever the film i just linking with it i don't care what mm -hmm. the guy does i'll always think about him in this movie He's Donnie Darko. Mm. He, he, he will forever be Donnie Darko. But yeah, unbelievable um, how young he looks. Um, and uh, it's funny, I, I texted you the other, uh, was it this morning? Because he's getting a lot of heat at the moment on, on socials due to his um, previous relationship uh, with Taylor Swift and uh, all the Swifties are going after him. Swifties. So he's massively, in the, he's, he's massively in the news at the moment. Yeah. Uh, not the news, but he's, he's all over well, socials. after you, um, like, to be honest, that's a part of like, I, I don't know anything about like what's going on in like celebrity gossip or nothing so when you text me that i thought oh look it up and um i mean i might be wrong here but from what i've read like the guy hasn't done anything wrong she's she's like bad mouthing him in songs and stuff like airing dirty laundry i mean he his agent has said he doesn't want to comment you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. i'm like I, I mean i don't know what's going on but there's obviously there's something in their relationship i believe i, I haven't read the full details of it but i believe uh she has aired some like you said dirty laundry about their relationship that he wasn't particularly kind uh but you know i don't know you know two sides of every story on there and he's not telling his so um you know who knows and i know one which is hilarious and and the swifties uh <laughs> keep keep doing this on every time basically there's a story that it, and she mentioned it in one of her songs that um he still got one of her scarves and he never gave it back um and, and that's a line in one of her songs just so what kind of lyrical genius she is um <laughs> scarf but, she's worth like 200 million quid she's bothered about a scarf yeah, come but, on but basically th this scarf has become like a totem for all of the taylor swift fans right and every time jake gyllenhaal and no matter what it is and anytime he he posts something on instagram and it's usually for a good cause like um i saw him put like he put a, up a, a, a a uh, fundraising one for this young kid this ill kid and people uh, the swifties underneath put a load of emojis of scarves underneath and saying give the scarf back give the scarf back and it's just become this thing and it's a bit of a light-hearted joke but they're taking it very, so seriously that even when he was talking about the death of chadwick boseman people put going scarf scarf, oh, scarf underneath. so it's become a bit uh, un, you know nasty. distasteful yeah. and, and um you know it, it's all fun and games up to a certain point but um I, yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning because uh <laughs> the fact that it, this week has been a, a very jake gyllenhaal heavy week uh for for me um, and I'm sure other people have seen it and we've, we've probably got some Swifty fans there and I'm, I'm sure they're thinking that fucking Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> what a prick
prick. I'll tell you what, what would be amazing is if one day he just appears in the red carpet wearing the scarf, you know, that would just put... That would be the move. That, that would be, be amazing. Would be but move. this film's well topical. So we've got Jake Gyllenhaal being like hounded by the Swifties this week. Also, this film, you know, takes place around the Halloween season. So, you know, we only had Halloween two weeks ago. So it's the perfect time to watch this movie, isn't it? And it's 20 years old this year. Yeah, exactly. So this couldn't have, you know, couldn't have landed better really, could it? Yeah, spot on. Good choice, mate. Very good choice. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, basically he stands and smirks while uh, looking at the mountains at this point. And, and we get a big big needle drop uh for echo and the Bunnymen, uh bunny men uh killing moon which this uh this film particularly got me into echo and the bunny men and 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 this song particularly That song is is Donnie Darko for me. Whenever I think of Donnie Darko, Mind you, that song. This film. Yeah. Well, one thing I would say about the, the the tracks in this film is that fair play they ste- they steered clear of like the uh, the, the absolute like classic eighty songs. And yeah. They 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 literally went with a, f- a few more like you know undergroundy ones, ones that aren't oh, as popular. Which yeah, alternative I, ones. Yeah, kind of it's shadowing what what Donnie is an outsider, isn't it? Yeah, but I thought I was you know it, it just gives it, it gives it like a freshness because you can watch so many eighties things, especially now with all these things coming out that are set in the eighties and they have the same old eighties yeah. tracks. You know, Pop, so poppy tracks, and it, you'd be forgiven if you only learned about the eighties through movies for thinking the eighties was just full of pop songs you know yeah and uh, this sort of you know was different which was cool yeah. you know so it really did add something to it for sure yeah and he's to, the, to this uh killing moon he's cycling down the the, the mountain road uh rides through town uh drives past uh, a red car did you notice uh <laughs> well do you know what um I, I didn't notice at first but um looking you know doing a bit of research after watching it um and yeah i i know that's obviously a nod to later in the film basically frank the bunny like drives past yeah at the start which obviously if, if you're like me watching it well, i mean i did see it years ago but if you're sort of quite fresh to it like me you know i haven't seen it for like you know 15 20 years um i wouldn't have noticed that but now like i say because i watched it that second time today yeah um yeah i saw it come past. this is in my prime days of um doing extensive research after after any film you know hitting imdb and reading every fact about yeah. it you know this is this is the the birth of that for me back then mm. um so that kind of stuff even if i didn't notice it my first time around i'd know about it and then tell everybody while i'm watching it and that red car's important you <laughs> did know? you know that did you know oh, this love it god i was such a pretentious prick <laughs> no we'd have gone like i mean we'd have definitely gone to school mate uh, yeah, <laughs> i'd have been all over yeah, that yeah. <laughs> uh and we see uh maggie his real sister in real life yeah um and and uh, she gets a leaf blower in her face by by their dad. Yeah. I've got to say, he's he's one of my favourite characters, isn't it? Their dad, he's so cool. Oh, he's such a ledge. <laughs> like, there's like bits later where like you know they're like they're saying like rude stuff at the table. Like, he can't stop laughing. Yeah. Like he's fucking cool. And, and, and he's sticking up for Donnie when it comes to yeah. the teachers and stuff, and thinking it's cool what he's done. I love the dad. Um, this yeah, um this this part really reminded me of um of, of Blue Velvet, like that where you see like a really normal American like town Suburbia. and like yeah, it reminded me and, of American uh, beauty. Beauty, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, picket fences. I mean, there's no picket fence in this, but yeah. it's got that vibe in it. Green grass. 
past. You've got them messing around on the lawn and that. And then Donnie goes around the back of the house, don't you? And you see the mum and she's laying on a like sunbed drinking wine. Like, I don't know, just reading you, Stephen King. Reading Stephen King, yeah, good shout. So like you just get that impression that this is like a well normal everyday American sort of mm. street, and we're sort of like going in the back door and finding out what's going on behind the door. Of this yeah, thing. get a sneak. And we talked about that in our American Beauty episode, mm. didn't we? Where uh, everything on the outside on the facade looks incredible, but um, get you know look, look a bit deeper. Um, and there's there's weird things going on, um, and there's there's a scene in a bit that uh, reminds me very much of of American Beauty, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, in fact, that's next, I believe. Uh, basically he walks up uh, strolls up strolls into the house um goes in the fridge uh where uh there's a oh, there's a sign on the fridge door isn't there saying where is donny uh, yeah. so obviously it turns out i think he writes that himself right or somebody else writes it but basically that that fridge is a bit of a foreshadowing tool throughout this movie and, and we'll get to that later on uh, but the the scene that i'm referring to that reminds me very much of american beauty is the awkward dinner um, oh massively i mean the, the mum especially she well reminded me of the yeah. mum in american beauty you know yeah. um like she you can tell she's sitting at the end of the table wanting a different sort of dinner mm. um she wants you know like a, a family to be you know talking about dinner sort of stuff whereas you've got um donnie and his sister just like basically telling each other the fuck off of that, yeah. and there's some good funny lines in there like, yeah, like the little little uh the younger sister says when can i squeeze one out and, yeah. and he says not until the eighth grade <laughs> yeah and the mum doesn't like that yeah. and then i think um one of them calls the other one um a fuck ass, fuck ass yeah. which is brilliant and then suck a fuck suck a fuck and then he goes how do i do it how do i do that and then <laughs> and the thing is like you mentioned the dad he's just crying creasing in the corner and he's just laughing sort of thing so um yeah like i've like I think the fact that they used the brother and sister in the you know the main roles of the brother and sister, I thought that like worked quite well because it worked really well. I think the, yeah. the banter between them and stuff, it just did feel it did feel pretty natural. It felt to me. real, yeah. And the and fact that they look you know like brother and sister, it just all adds to the the, the feeling that this is a real family, mm. doesn't it? And they managed to uh, drop a, a bit of um, context in this as well. They mentioned that Donnie stopped taking his meds, and immediately that makes you think, okay, this this is a troubled boy. Um, so it, it, I thought it was a, a a nice, elegant way of doing that. So he's He's obviously got some serious issues, and we learn more about that um, as as the movie goes on. Mm. Uh, but basically, him and his sister aren't particularly getting on at this point. Um, what's a fuck ass? I love that line. <laughs> yeah, what's a fuck ass? <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then we get his mum. Don't we? Basically, after dinner, he's sort of upstairs reading on his own. She goes up and says to him, "You know, where do you go at night?" Yeah. And he, he's he's uh, yeah, he's not very happy with his mum, isn't he? Basically, tells her to sort of go away. She shuts the door. He calls her a bitch. <laughs> but what I did notice is that. Um, he, he called her a bitch, but he did actually look up from his from his book to like look back at the door, which gives you the impression that he didn't mean it. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, he's not a bad guy, Donnie Darko. He just um obviously he's there's a lot troubled. going on. He's troubled, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean if he just carried on looking at his book, you could think, Oh, what a horrible young man. Yeah. But actually he's I think he's just like you say, he's troubled. Maybe and a he's, twinge of regret when he yeah. when he looked up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the line as well from the from the dad again, uh, when when she comes in and goes, Oh, son has just called me a bitch and he goes, You're bitching. But you're not a bitch. <laughs> yeah, man, he's fucking well like, cool. That's the kind of thing I would say. Yeah, he's, he, is, he is a cool dad. He is a cool dad. Yeah. And also, like, the thing I got from this is that the, the parents, like, you know, must have been having, like, quite a hard time with a son like that, you know? It's, mm. like, not nice to know that your son could go out every night and just wake up anywhere. And um, 
I mean, the dad was like pretty chilled about everything. The mum, I noticed though, was always drinking. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously that's like a byproduct of like what her son's like. But um, you know, again, American Beauty. Yeah. Seriously reminded me of that. It, yeah. This is basically American Beauty if it was the teenage son who's having the mental breakdown rather than, <laughs> yeah. rather than the dad. Yeah. The present day is October the 2nd, 1988. Mm-hmm. We get uh, a glimpse of uh, Donnie sleepwalking again. And uh, but this time we we hear why he is, and we hear a freaky voice that always sticks with me. You know, come closer. The voice is saying. He walks outside closer, and this is where we meet Frank, the giant evil rabbit, for the first time. Oh, I love Frank. I think he's uh, like I just love what a design. What an amazing design. Yeah, right? and, and when you think like just it's so iconic, and that's the first thing I think most people who've seen this film think of when they, other than Jake Gyllenhaal, um, the weird looking rabbit with a metallic looking face and lopsided ears uh it's just fantastic yeah he, he's just a great looking I, I wouldn't say baddie like because it's not as like cut and dry as that but he's he's like a, a scary presence isn't yeah. he for sure and um but it's, it's one of those things like it's it's, it's it's a mask and like get up like you sort of want to like you want to see more of because you're like yeah. he looks so cool you know yeah. it just looks odd and freaky and really out of place and oh I love Frank also I just love that voice that appears like throughout this film like Frank's voice you know like mm. so like you say where it's like come closer come closer and then points it's like wake up yeah. you know it, really cool voice awesome it's looking it's like layered and it's got a bit of reverb on it and mm. it's just just unsettling isn't it and uh, Frank uh, kind of announces 28 days 6 hours 42 minutes and 12 seconds mm. that is when the world will end yeah um so we know right we've got a we've got a, a countdown we've got, we've got something uh to 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 not look forward to but uh we've got a countdown to to danger mm. um so that's always in the background and every time the date is is put up on screen you think okay we're another day closer we're another week closer mm. uh it, it's coming um so i think that's straight away within the first few minutes uh, we get to know that there's this countdown, um, this timer ticking in the background. Well, you could be forgiven for thinking the end of the world is coming now because the next shot is of uh, his sister coming in the house, isn't it? Mm. And the whole house shaking. And you're yeah. thinking like, oh my God, it's like an earthquake or whatever. Yeah. And at this point, you know, they don't explain it straight away because then we cut to, uh, the, it's the next day, it's blue sky, it's green grass, we're on a golf course and he's he's waking up on the golf course, isn't he? Yeah, Patrick Swayze is just playing a bit of golf, waking <laughs> up Donny. Um, uh, and then Donny goes home, he says so- sorry for sleeping on the golf course and he discovers the house has actually had a jet engine crash through the roof, uh, which isn't a usual thing. Nah. Uh, and, and, and to make it even more odd, isn't it? The sister says to, you know, Donnie, they don't know where it came yeah. from. And you're like, what the fuck? This yeah. is like some sort of lost vibe, you know? This is weird. Yeah, like, the FAA are there and they have no idea I got there. Um, it said later that, you know, jet engines don't just fall off planes, you know? Mm. Um, and, it's, and it's a mystery. Like They have no idea where it's come from. No planes have fallen down. Uh, no, no one's crashed, no one's missing an engine. It's just come out of nowhere. Um, so they have to go and stay in a holiday inn while their house is, is being uh, repaired. Mm. Um, and that's it, yeah, just a bit of a weird weird plot device, isn't it? You're just like, what, what is all that about? Mm. Thing is, though, like, they, two things have proper drawn us in. One, world's ending in, like, 28 days. Two, a jet engine's just falling down off the, you know. So I think you'd be hard-pushed at this point not to be intrigued about mm. the rest of the movie, you know. I'm yeah. thinking, sort of, what's going on, you know? So a good sort of opening, sort of 10 minutes, I'd say. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, enjoying it. And if you weren't already sure that this um, 
idyllic suburbia wasn't actually what it looks like. Uh, we then see um, a bit of school life. We see some casual racism. As oh man, uh, so mean. Yeah, she she gets treated pretty badly in this film. Mm. Getting told to go back to China. Uh, kids can be mean. Uh, Donnie sticks up for her though. And then in the school, there's kids doing coke in the corridors. Oh yeah, like see, so and and it's almost this Seth Rogen, wasn't it? Yeah. As as I did not remember him being no, in this I didn't movie either, no. at all. No, and you're right, like so we we get this like this sort of sweeping shot don't we through the corridors and we're seeing all the people that are going to be like have parts in this movie we get to see that Gretchen girl like mm. you know at her locker like you say people doing drugs we get to see the teachers and stuff we get to see Swayze like embracing the teachers which means he's part of the like you know faculty or he's going to be you know at the school for a bit and stuff so it's sort of introducing everyone isn't it's it a dance routine <laughs> what a hell of a shot though isn't it it's it's mm. one of those oneers, and uh, it, yeah it goes on for a while it's really really good and uh, you get a sense of the place you you get a sense of the school you get a sense of underlying things aren't great in there you know it can be tough for some people but mm. there's yeah it's, it's it, i think it's really good at setting the scene um and then we see swayze paying a visit um noah wiley and uh drew barrymore um and yeah i just yeah i really love this bit we then um, cut to like the class, don't we? And we've got Drew Barrymore at the front. She's like your classic like English teacher, isn't she? So yeah. we're like reading out a passage and then walk around the class and things. Uh, it's all very sort of like highbrow in that. And um, and then we get uh, Gretchen. Basically, we get introduced to her. She's like a character. She basically she's the new girl, isn't she? Mm. And she comes into the back of the class. And like like Drew Barrymore is a pretty cool teacher. Do you mean I love the way she's like? You need to sit somewhere. Sit next to the cutest boy, you know, yeah. in the class. And I was just like fucking hell. Like and if you and basically she picked Donnie Darko. Mm. I was thinking if that was you, you'd be loving it. Like what? Yeah. Cool. You'd be literally like yes. Do you mean this new girl like thinks I'm like the hottest guy? <laughs> it's a weird thing to do for a teacher. Though, really odd. Yeah, go on, sit next. The girl yeah, the most. I almost expected her to go. Good choice. You know, it is the <laughs> yeah. hottest kid in this room. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, and then uh, moving on, Donnie's dad uh, nearly hits an old lady in in the road while he's driving Donnie about. Um, and this is, as we get to know uh, later, uh, is uh, it becomes quite an important uh, character. Uh, and Dolly goes up to help her out of the road, and uh, she whispers something in Donny's ear, which we don't find out until until, until quite a later. Bit later. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. Like a character, who, yeah, is quite key to this. But the only thing we'll get to this a bit more later. But um, the only thing with Donny Darko is that like they there's some like parts of the plot and like characters and things that they sort of introduce. And then it never really like comes to anything. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't. I, I know that's the whole point of it. It's like you know you don't get a definitive answer at the end, but. I felt like there could be more from this like old lady, you know. Like I think yeah. there was in the director's cut. Well, I heard there was a director's cut, yeah. which apparently is a it's a lot longer. Yeah. You know, you're talking like an extra half an hour forty five, which is like that's significant. So yeah. it does make me think that, um, you know, um, that there'd be a lot more in that director's mm. cut that would really flesh out a lot of this, which might you know make it make people enjoy it that much more. Because I don't know. But will it be better with less ambiguity, or will it be worse? That's that's what I think. Because yeah, something I like question. about this film is the ambiguity, and, the, and it makes you think, and, mm. it, and it can be different every time you watch it. So I don't know. You know, I, I might have to watch it one day. We'll see. Maybe in ten years, I'll watch the director's cut and see what I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll do another episode, episode five hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we, for the first time, we meet Donnie Shrink, uh, Doctor Thurman, uh, in her office, um, and uh, he's basically talking to her and mentions his new imaginary friend, Frank. 
Yeah, so basically, uh, so she's quite a key character as well, isn't she? The the psychiatrist sort of mm. all throughout the film because this is the one place that Donnie can like talk about you know his feelings and things. And so basically, he um, he mentions you know to her that he's got this imaginary um, friend called Frank. Um, and then we sort of cut back to the class, don't we? And we're watching this controlling fear video starring. Patrick Swayze, who I thought was fucking hilarious in this film. Cheesy infomercial, isn't it? Yeah. Jim Cunningham is his name, and he's he's one of those kind of cult leader types, isn't he? Mm. Uh, Ultra-religious. Yeah, like uh, one of them, like, preachers. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't get it as much in the UK, but I imagine back in the day in America, like, that was... You see that in films quite a lot, those American preachers really, like, laying it on thick to mm. youngsters about how, you know, you want to shun the devil and you want to, you know, live a good Christian life, and he's that sort of in that mould, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not afraid anymore, that little <laughs> yeah. kid just... Oh, yeah. every time uh and uh yeah so next we get uh, a bit of creepy wake up donny mm-hmm. um and a bit of foreshadowing as well he's kind of dreaming and he's standing in kind of like a um a wetland isn't he with with a suggestion of his school there mm-hmm. um but then he goes sleepwalking and hits a pipe in the school with an axe in his sleep yeah and then we find we think, oh god, what, what like intricate dream that Donny had? Yeah. What a dream! It was real, wasn't it? Because yeah. everyone wakes up the next day, and all the kids are excited. You know, they're all like buzzing. No school today. The the school's been flooded, and then you're like, oh fuck, that's real. A kids dream in it. Oh, yeah, the school's man. been flooded. It's been done. What were we doing? <laughs> Big time. There's also an axe <laughs> in the massive dog statue out the front, uh, and there's graffiti out there saying they made me do it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which you know we think, oh, immediately it must be Donny uh, because he dreamt about it. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's he's seeing things you don't know. Um, uh, then we see Donny walking home. He bump, bumps into Seth Rogen and uh, the other <laughs> school bully uh, who are harassing um, Gretchen. Um, and Seth says he likes her boobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's his first line. <laughs> I heard this. This is his uh, film debut, and his first line is, "I like your boobs." <laughs> I'd love to find out, like, some, you know, actor's first line in a feature film, and yeah. his would be one of the funniest. Yeah. I like your boobs. It's, it's very Seth Rogen. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's good. Um, so Donnie kind of walks her home. Uh, her, we find out, and it, this was in the trailer we uh, we played earlier, that her stepdad stabbed her mum. Uh, so she's got a bit of a troubled background as well, so they kind of connect on that level. I love what Donnie says. Like, she says, oh, my... Um, my mum's got like emotional problems or my dad yeah. or whatever and he's like oh I got them too what, like, what kind yeah. Yeah. yeah and obviously her her dad or whatever has got like really bad ones yeah. you know 10 times worse than Donnie so um Donnie admits that he accidentally burned down a house once and that kind of pales in comparison to what she's saying. So he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. She's cool. They don't she she says, Oh, you're weird. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, No, 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 I meant that as a compliment. Good. So yeah, I like seeing them two like get on. Like they're um cool, you know what I mean? She she's one of those girls who like I think she's you know, after the more interesting, like, type of, you know, yeah. partner. <laughs> and also, like, she says to him, uh, Donnie Darko, that's weird, you know, it, it sounds like a superhero name. And uh, and that's the first suggestion that kind of plants it in your in your head, and I'm not sure whether you thought the same, but he is kind of a superhero in this. Like, he's kind of a guy who can see into the future um, uh, to a certain point. And whether those uh, those those abilities would develop in time and he would become, it, it reminds me a bit of Unbreakable, you know, where he's got one of those those um, down-to-earth kind of superhero talents. And I was wondering yeah. whether he would be able to become a superhero in, I don't in mean the future. grounded in, like, reality. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, what would it actually be like if there was a superhero? And yeah. this is a, uh, yeah, it's a like good a, show, yeah. Maybe it'd be a super rabbit or something. But also, oh. the, the name, like, is like the name... If you hadn't seen Donnie Darko, it immediately would, I think, make you think of, like, a superhero-type yeah. character, Donnie Darko. Like, it's, it's really, like... It's a really exaggerated name. And so I think you're right. I think there's something in that, you know... Um, 
very deliberate sort of name they gave him. And he straight away, this is the first proper conversation they, they've had, and he asks her out uh, to be his uh, girlfriend, and, and she says yes. Yeah, so boom, he's got a girlfriend sort of straight off the bat, so fair play to him. Well played. Um, oh, this next bit is fucking awesome, because then we cut now to the uh, to the to where he's seeing his shrink, mm. and um, he's sort of chatting away, and she says, oh, have you ever been hypnotised? You know, I want to try that on you or whatever. And so she hypnotises him, doesn't she? And um, basically she starts chatting to him, and I think he mentions... Has he got a girlfriend? Is that what he says? Yeah, he, he says. Yeah, he starts ranting about girls and fucking. Oh, and, uh, and his hands just getting closer and closer to his knob. Yeah, like he's like undressing. Like he's like taking his like pants down, isn't it? Talking about Christina Applegate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so funny. She she snaps him out of it eventually. <laughs> yeah, two claps. Like, stop it. I can't yeah. handle this. Do you know what I mean? But so good. So basically, he's horny as fuck all the time, you yeah. know? So we know now that, you know, Donnie will be absolutely buzzing to have a girlfriend. And you know, at this point, you probably noticed by the, the way we're, we're hurtling along is this film does just, it just chops and chops and chops. Yeah. And, and back and forth, you, back and forth, hear, back and forth. You hear, you hear, following Donnie everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then back into the school and um, they're all having their handwriting tested, uh, looked at up on the board. Like, that's a good way of, you know, you write graffiti on the ground, you know, they, they made me do it. And, like, writing on a board knowing they're looking for your handwriting, surely you can disguise it. Uh, but Donnie gets, somehow manages to get a question mark next to his name because he, he writes exactly the same as, uh, as, as, as as the ground. So he's already suspected of, of doing it. But, you get him, but it shows that he doesn't really care, no. does it? And also, it's the way he walks up to it and does it. It's, he's almost like saying, I'm guilty, because he walks up, like, looking pissed off, yeah. does it and fucks off, do you yeah. know what I mean? So he's basically inadvertently saying, yeah, <laughs> it was me. And then in the toilet, school bully comes out and think Donnie grasped him up uh, for some reason. Um, yeah, knife on the throat, in it, And he's yeah, all like, yeah, nice. I know, it's fucking brutal. Good school. Uh, <laughs> uh, but next scene, again, hurtling along, uh, we get a, a weird scene mm. talking about Smurf sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, you've got like uh, Donnie Darko's two mates sort of like sitting, shooting the shit about, about Smurfs and how they have sex mm. and how like Smurfette's just like big sex object for yeah. the Smurfs. And like... Tony Darko turns around, Danny, and like literally reels off reasons why that can't be. You know, mm. it's like fucking hell. Like he's quite an expert on the Smurfs. Then I do have to remember that this is meant to be like the eighties, yeah. you know. So Smurfs um, were big. Yeah, that's it. You know, you imagine that when they were kids, that's sort of you know one of the main sort of like shows that they all watch. So that's yeah. probably why you know so much about these little things. But we also get an idea that he's he's really ultra intelligent, Donnie Darko, and 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 to back that up, he he gives the most poetic line of the whole film, which is, "What's the point in living if you don't have a dick?" Uh, <laughs> yes, which I think. Enough. Very wise words. Yeah, like I say, he's a poet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we see Donnie uh, with Frank in a weird mirror kind of realm. Um, and he says, I can do anything I want, and so can you. Um, he says, do you believe in time travel? Um, and then his sister walks in and catches him. Mm. He just says, oh, I'll just have my pills, doesn't he? But um, yeah. yeah, basically, he's... And I did read on the, on the uh, trivia... That um some like you know some bright spark has noticed that every time like Frank appears, or most of the time, he's always near some sort of like water source or something, yeah. which I thought was like a bit oh I mean I don't know if it is anything in that, but for example at this point they're in the bathroom, so I don't know. Hmm, I wonder if that'll come up. Uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, so next we are in the classroom again, and there's uh, a kind of fear versus love session with the most annoying teacher in the world. Oh man, <laughs> she is a proper cow. This woman, like yeah. really, really not mean teacher, but like. 
few things in this bit is that that teacher she really does sum up like like society i think back in the day do you know what i mean people were well like narrow-minded and um mm. obviously things luckily aren't like that these days and like donnie seems to be one of the only people in the movie who um actually the teacher you know drew Barrymore, she's she's got a good vibe but they're the only people that that don't think of life as just like black or white feel love because mm. he says Donnie he says you can't just put a tick or, or a line on a, a cross on a line and just put you know emotion isn't binary yeah and so i think like the film's pretty much summed up in this um in, in in this sort of scene you know you've got yeah. all these really narrow-minded people and donnie's sort of trying to break the mold and you know and basically the teacher sort of hates that doesn't she yeah and he gets in a bit of trouble because he tells tells her <laughs> to forcibly insert the lifeline card into her anus <laughs> amazing and again the dad's like he can't help it but he's laughing isn't he because yeah. like he's an absolute legend he's in front of the principal just laughing <laughs> yeah. his head off i love it i mean it is funny yeah um and i, I like the line from uh, the principal who says uh donnie <laughs> your your test scores are intimidating <laughs> so not only is he, he clever he's he's basically a genius and and yeah. it makes teachers worry about how, how clever he is <laughs> yeah he's too good um, uh, but yeah his dad thinks the whole thing's hilarious um and then we get uh donny talking to the other teacher played by noah wiley uh, about wormholes mm. and the, the thing that sort of immediately sprung to mind about this part is that um when you see films set in the old days and there's no internet um that's what you had to do back in the day you know if you like <laughs> ask a teacher yeah, ask a teacher like you know you and so it just seems crazy now like if you want to research anything you can just go on your phone and you can just read about it and look into it but back in the day you know you had to find someone who might know anything about it and the only person close to donny who's got any sort of scientific background is the science teacher so he says to him you know do you know anything about time travel yeah and he and luckily he does and, and he's reading a particular book by um, a lady called roberta sparrow who happens to be grandma deaf mm. from earlier the post box lady um who ch checks her post box every five years yeah. um and it turns out she was a published science writer uh so uh, that's a weird coincidence. Donnie is obviously interesting in wormholes. Mm. During this whole thing, he's bumped into this lady and, and she's whispered something in his ear and it all comes back to her like a loop. Um, so, yeah, interesting uh, turn of events. So we obviously know that she's important in this uh, mm. for some reason, but not particularly know why at this at this point. We know now as well, she ain't no like batshit neighbor like well she might be that shit well but yeah she, but she before was, that yeah she you know there's something to her wouldn't yeah. there you know she's written a book about time travel what's funny as well the teacher didn't like if you ask a teacher you know do you know anything about time travel like their reaction would be what but Why this teacher about time but <laughs> donnie's teacher was like oh yeah yeah okay yeah. i'll tell you what i know like <laughs> i love that and it's yeah yeah it's uh, theoretically possible and, and he talks about that and it's all like, okay fair uh and then the shrink asks uh what roberta sparrow what roberto sparrow roberta sparrow said to him when she whispered in his ear so this is the point we find out mm. um and apparently she said every living creature on earth dies alone mm. <laughs> i know brutal and that ties into it quite well because we um we sort of learn about like donnie's condition and that the, the, the shrink sort of says at some point doesn't she that mm. um the biggest thing that he's scared of is like that whole being alone thing and that's yeah. like you know a big part of his like mental illness and how he's feeling and things yeah and then we get uh, a scene where uh a couple of teachers there have properly drank the uh, Jim Cunningham Kool Aid, haven't they? They're, mm. they're proper in the in the business of Jim, Jim Cunningham fear and love. Yeah. Um, and Donnie's mum isn't necessarily uh, signing up to the same uh, the same beliefs, is she? No, absolutely not. 
Well, then Donny uh, starts seeing future bubbles, doesn't he? Uh, whatever you want to call them, kind of these wormholes or whatever. Yeah, uh, so this is where they're sitting, like, watching um, American football, isn't it? Yeah. And do you know what? Like, I know that, like, the CGI on the, like, the bubbles, like, is lo- looking dated, but I still think it works quite well. Like, oh, yeah, I it, think so, yeah. it, It's one of those things where it doesn't need to be much better than it is. Mm. Um, so, although it's maybe shown its age a bit, I don't know, I think some people would look at it and go, God, that looks shit now. I've done it 20 years ago. But I think, actually, it works pretty well that, like, yeah, well, the fact that we haven't got any true comparison uh, mm. to true life it helps it in somewhat, and it and it's supposed to look weird and off and act unusual. Um, but yeah, you're right; it has dated slightly, but it, it works for what it is. Mm. Um, but and the, the funny thing is, it, it is preempting where people are traveling, and it's kind of this bubble coming out of their chest and 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 it gets longer and you can see further um but for some reason he doesn't go what the fuck's going on and panic he just finds it amusing he just starts <laughs> chuckling to himself and yeah. you think okay this this guy is disturbed um so he follows his bubble and it takes him to his dad's closet uh, uh where there's a gun and he takes the gun out yeah. And, and uh, what is the, the theory of, you know, if you never put a gun on the table and it's never, you know, it's not yeah. fired. You know, that's like kind of come into play at yeah. some point. Like, yeah. Chekhov's gun, I believe. Chekhov's gun. That's yeah. the one. Like, if, it, if you see it, it's got to be used. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we know something's going down. Yeah. Um, so. And then yeah. we cut to, um, we, it was all about side now, sort of the next day. Yeah. Um, obviously, every day that goes on, you know, we're getting closer to this this end of the world day. You know, the, the world's meant to end in, you know, X amount of days. And um, we've got Donnie and his girlfriend walking along and um, basically says to her, like, we've been out for two weeks now. And he's basically hinting, like, oh, you know, I want to kiss or something. And um, he, he starts trying to kiss her, doesn't he? And she's like, no, 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 not here. I want to be special. And also there's some fat guy, like, looking at us. <laughs> yeah, thing. Like, yeah. There's just this guy in a red, like, tracksuit. Isn't he from the um, FAA? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to be honest, right I, I read like on some trivia and stuff that you know that that's what he's meant to be and actually he appears in the film later on mm-hmm. um I, where he shouldn't really be yeah with a torch just yeah. doing this yeah. so all very very strange but yeah really funny little bit and um and like i say because i've watched this twice literally in like a few days um i'm already noticing things on the second time watching it through you know which i think is always the mark of like a good movie where yeah. you, you know the second time there's much more to see and it's, to know it's dense isn't it there's absolutely information that you can't take in and i don't doubt watching it a third time you know would would bring up even more for me so um you know that's a definite plus to donnie darko you know mm. this point definitely uh, and then is this next bit where uh, we p- parents are visiting the shrink, aren't they? Mm. Um, and uh, uh, she tells them that he's a paranoid schizophrenic, which I think was relatively clear anyway. Um, and meanwhile, <laughs> intercut with this visit to the shrink, we see uh, Donny is in the bathroom again, stabbing Frank's eye through that weird <laughs> blobby mirror. Yeah. Uh, and so this is getting a bit freaky now. He's He's got a knife, he's got a gun. And he's stabbing Frank in the eye. Yeah. And then we cut to um, sort of back to the school. And we've got Swayze on um, on stage, haven't we? Yeah. And he's come out and he's doing a big old presentation for all the like, all the kids. And like, it, I, I just thought he was well funny in this film, practically Swayze, you know, he has like so much charisma and he's so like annoying yet. Sleazy. You can't and, help watch him. Yeah. Like pompous and self-righteous. Yeah. Uh, What's uh, really mental though as well is that, um, I don't know the exact year, but he died not that long after this. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, he looks so good in this film, you yeah. know? Like he look. you would never think for a million years that that guy, you know, a few years later, unfortunately, would, you know, die so early. Like he just looks like so full of life, so mm-hmm. good. Like, I don't know. It's a real shame because that guy has got charisma coming out of his, you know, everywhere. He's yeah. awesome. He didn't have that, that many uh, credits after this, unfortunately. Nah. It's, it's a shame. I know this is meant to be like, 
known as one of his last roles, you yeah. know, and um, yeah, just a really, really uh, watchable guy, you know, and yeah. I enjoyed him in this, even though he is, you know, a bit of a dark character, really, when we get to it. But um, yeah, I really like him in this. Yeah, he's already unlikable to us. He's Everyone loves him in the film, especially the, the, the teachers and adults and stuff. Mm. Um, and he's given advice uh, to students um, on stage and things. And Don, Donny doesn't like it. And he asks, <laughs> he goes up and asks the question, how much are they paying, paying you? And there's the bit of shock, isn't there, from everybody? <laughs> yeah, so vocal. God, right. why would you ask Donny to go up? And like, yeah. why would you let him go on the mic? But basically, he kicks off Donny. <laughs> yeah, but he also gives some actual proper advice to the people on stage. You know, bullies, hit them back, fight them back, learn yeah. karate or whatever, uh, stop eating, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that tough love, yeah, you know? Don't, don't um, worry about fear and love. Worry about actual practical advice. Yeah, and fair it, play to him. Then he calls Cunningham the Antichrist. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and gets chucked out. Um, and there, I know there's theories out there that this is kind of a Christ allegory, this film. And, and Donnie Darko is like a Christ figure, like a messed up Christ figure. And the fact that he calls um, his his nemesis in this like he calls him the antichrist kind of uh, puts pay to that I don't, I don't particularly believe in that theory but i have seen it uh, being talked about they um one thing that i did notice i'm sure you did as well is that they do show like quite a few crosses for no apparent reason really throughout the film like mm-hmm. they, they'll just zoom in on like say the the top the, the top of the school like archway and it'll be a cross and yeah. stuff so uh, i don't know like i yeah i agree with you I, I i can't get too deep on the like religion thing but mm-hmm. um yeah i can see why people have that like theory yeah you know yeah, in a way you could see that he, he's reborn at a certain point yeah we'll get to that uh donnie donnie chats more with uh noah wiley about the time travel uh predetermination and the ability to kind of visualize one's passage through time mm. um and noah basically shuts him down doesn't he well he's, he starts talking about god as well doesn't he, yeah. he starts saying and then like i mean to be honest my little brain i was i was like Donnie was talking and I'm like I slow don't, down I don't, yeah I, I don't get what you're on about me because yeah. I'm not clever enough to keep up yeah. but show me the rabbit yeah that's it just give me some more frank yeah. but um, but yeah like so then basically the teacher says look I can't really talk to you anymore because I might lose my job so yeah. that's the end of that which is weird isn't it I'm, I might lose my job for, for enlightening you I might lose my job for educating you uh, but Odd. there's that uh, then uh, Donnie finds uh, Cunningham's wallet randomly in the street um, outside his house nice house by the way like nice yeah. grass lovely like Tudor like house it looks fucking beautiful this is something that isn't explained like why does he find that wallet like that's like that is one of those things that is just it's just dropped there um I think well later on in this film all right. tell me what you think I, I, say, I think Frank is doing all that well, like, well yeah do you know what I mean yeah. I think that like he you know he so yeah basically Frank wants that guy's house burnt down so the only way he can get it to the only way he can get Donnie to know where he lives is put. The, so I just think he's just pulling all the strings. And um, yeah, what were you going to say? Sorry about later on. Yeah, well, there's the the theory of uh, not the theory, but the the act of uh, Deus Ex Machina is. It, you, you notice when he's being held down later on in the film. Um, you know when he when uh, at the Halloween party he's being held down by the bullies. Yeah, and, and he whispers or he, he says Deus Ex Machina, um, which which basically means. Um, I think the literal translation is like God through machine or something. And basically it was a device used in um, in plays and things like that back in, I think, Greek uh, Greek plays and things. Oh, where, right. where basically it means something that happens that manages to solve a problem within within the story that just comes out of nowhere and isn't preordained or anything like that. It just happens so that you can move it along. Yeah, I see. It's just there to serve a purpose to get to the next bit. Yeah, and right. I feel like that, wallet just being there is a perfect example of that there's no there's no like oh he dropped it you don't see a scene of him dropping it you don't see a scene of of frank going to get it 
it's just there. It's dropped out of the sky, out of nowhere, and it's there. And that's so that he knows, oh, that's Jim Cunningham's house. Yeah. Um, no that, more, no less, just there. Yeah. And I was wondering whether that is connected. That's Because I don't know why he says that at the end, does Ex Machina. No. Why does he say that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, just that, when he said that at the end, it's like, well, there's a couple of instances of that uh, device with, throughout this film. So I'm wondering whether that's intentional. Um, and... Is Frank real? Like, is Frank able to pick things up? Frank doesn't do anything else physical in this film. Does no, he? you're right. I mean, yeah. we, we only see Frank at certain points, and yeah. we, I mean, the rules on like Frank, we we don't mean really what they are. Mm. Like, you're right. Can he pick things up? I don't know. Can he? You know, can he just appear any time? Or does he appear? I, I, also, can other people see him? Is it only Donnie? Like, it's um, yeah. But again, that fits in with the, the whole film is like that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You've got to make your mind up on everything in this movie. You know, it's not giving you any help mm. at all. And um, I think, excuse me, I think that that makes this film, you know, so worthy of talking about because it's so open-ended, you know, and what one person thinks is completely different to someone else. And I think that that's like the beauty of a film like this. You can yeah. just sort of, I think it's probably the most open-ended movie we've ever done on this podcast because usually what we watch is like, what you see is what you get. And there's a few hidden meanings between, you know, behind that and this and blah, blah, blah. But this is like, this is this film is mental, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really is crazy. And like you say, that whole thing about you don't see the wallet get dropped or anything, I think that's got to be completely deliberate because the person behind this film, you know, making it is thinking, I want to, not confuse, but I want people to, you know, think what they want to think. And, mm. I'll, you know, and that will just give them, that will give them ample ammo to, like, think, you know, what they want to It's probably believe. the most kind of, it's the most ambiguous film that we've had uh, throughout our run. Oh, yeah. Um, probably the second, maybe... With the exception of Inception, maybe? I don't, like, there's an ambiguous ending, but I don't think m much else of it is ambiguous. No, nah, I think this is really up there with yeah. absolutely the one where you can make, you know, our, our opinions at the end, not of, of whether it's a good film, but what we think happened is they could be so wildly different. Mm. Uh, moving along, uh, we then see the bullies winding up Gretchen about her, uh, her murdered mum. Uh, oh yeah brutal again like fucking well harsh yeah but uh, then actually they go running out don't they Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Gretchen and they have a snog don't they yeah. so all she, well she obviously, she's obviously thought fuck the waiting for the perfect moment you're here you're supporting me boom I want to feel good about myself after that mm. rough time let's have a kiss um, yeah. and then they go and see fucking evil dead <laughs> amazing yeah so good and um, I mean the cinema's absolutely empty like it's yeah. like proper dead isn't it so it's just them two in the cinema and um, what made me laugh a lot though is because me and Dan talk about this quite a lot is that both our, our wives um, they fall asleep like on, you know during every movie <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes in the cinema too yeah. and uh, actually fair play to Shah she doesn't fall asleep much in the cinema I think it's more at home but anyway as soon as as soon as Gretchen fell asleep at the you know, start of Evil Dead it made me laugh I thought mm. oh yeah I know what you're going through Donnie well the film was at this point seven years old in 1988 so uh, I'm not surprised it was empty <laughs> yeah, um, so it's like a, yeah. it's like a rerun of an old movie so, isn't it at this yeah, point <laughs> yeah which we love obviously yeah. to see reruns but um, yeah and then uh, Frank's there he's sitting next to her and this is this is the, the scene or, or, or the the shot that i think of of donnie darko and frank oh big time um is is him sat there in the cinema uh with with evil dead up on the screen and it's just it's just freaky frank he, he's there um and donnie just finds it amusing asking him why he's wearing that stupid bunny suit and frank says donnie why are you wearing that stupid human suit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um great and, little comeback and like it was quite cool is that is um when he says to, to him you know why don't you take that costume off you think Frank ain't going to take his costume off. He does. He actually unzips it, yeah. and you see the person's um, the person's face. Now, 
when I first saw this person's face, it ain't clear whether that's a man or a woman. I know they're called Frank, but mm. it's a really... What's the word for someone who's like... Androgynous. A, yeah, a really androgynous looking person, you know, mm. long hair. And so be, to be honest, I wasn't sure whether that was a bloke or, or a woman, mm. do you know what I mean? And then, and then Frank turns his, we know it's a man, his head... And one of his eyes is like smashed, well, like injured, injured, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody and stuff. And uh, he he then says, "Look up at the screen," and shows him a portal mm. through the screen. You're like, "What the hell is that?" It's like a wormhole. Um, and then Cunningham's house appears up on the screen, and you get those those words, "Burn it to the ground." Mm. And obviously, Donny's got previous, so we we know <laughs> yeah. he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then we cut to sparkle motion dance routine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so it's like a sort of talent show going on at the school, yeah. isn't there? And everyone's yeah. there. So we're seeing Donnie setting um, Patrick Swayze's house on fire. We're seeing the sparkle motion talent contest going on, and yeah. you know, it's all, it's all. It reminds me a little bit, Little Miss Sunshine, a little bit, you yeah, know, yeah. like that little sister doing, a, you know, a big yeah. dance routine sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so he's setting it alight, um, flicking petrol all over the shop. Uh, but he managed to return to the cinema um, to wake up Gretchen, would <laughs> before she's woken up. So the film's ended, but he manages to get back in and get there. Yeah, so he managed to set fire to Cunningham's house and get back. I, I, I literally. Up love it that he gets back and he just literally sits on the thing the credits start rolling she wakes yeah. up and goes oh and like did i miss it and he's like yeah you missed the whole thing yeah. he's already gone burnt a house like, i just i love that but, but we works. both know that's believable because <laughs> our wives fall asleep in movies and there's nothing that's going to wake them up uh, so i could quite easily go to the cinema and watch another movie and come back and she wouldn't have realized <laughs> that's bad isn't it? <laughs> so uh, good but then uh basically because of the fire and uh, because of the firefighters having to get into the house and, and put it out, they find the kiddie porn dungeon that is in Jim Cunningham's house. Uh, so it turns out he is a rampant paedophile. Yeah. And I mean, up until this point, you know, if you didn't know that, like it would come as quite a shock because um, that's quite a stretch from being annoying to being like a massive pedo. It's like, you know, fucking hell. Like, so yeah, basically he's got a real dark past. And so what Donnie did, obviously it's, it's massive, you know, it's massive vandalism, arson, whatever, but also it, it uncovered like an evil yeah. man. So again, like it, I think that harks back a little bit to that whole like love and fear thing. It's not easy just to say like what Donnie Darko did is like completely bad because what he did was bad, but actually there was good that came out of it. And mm. so again, it ties into the, that whole like the good, greater good. Yeah. So but, it's but also that fear and love thing speaks to, to Jim Cunningham and, and why he, has that mythos because um you, you imagine him explaining to children that he's abused oh don't you know don't worry about the fear discard the fear that what i've done to you you know it, come, it comes from a place of love you know you can imagine him being that master manipulator and yeah. using his 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 fucking horrible cultish ways to mm. to manipulate kids into forgetting about it and, and and turning to love rather than fear it's the perfect thing for this horrible man with these was horrible um proclivities to to kind of use against like young impressionable people that mm. he's already kind of he's kind of already like grooming them really in a sense yeah so, you know and preparing these people to come from a place of love and forget the fear and and discard it um and i think donnie's picked up on that side of him hasn't he mm, yeah, absolutely i mean you know donnie he's a smart cookie you know so um yeah nothing's getting past him um and then next scene as well we get some sort of more bad news so that the cool teacher drew barrymore um she's um basically getting pulled up for a teaching methods isn't she mm -hmm. she's way too like cool and hip and you know giving the students like empowering the students for this sort of school they're like no 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 we can't handle this this is way too like radical in it like you're fucking gone love yeah 
bad, bad news. And then the uh, cultish teacher from earlier, who uh, the really annoying one who loves Jim Cunningham, starts having a bit of a crisis about her leader's arrest. Uh, doesn't completely believe it, I don't think. Um, but she turns up at Donnie's house and asks his mum to take uh, the, the dance team uh, to, to an event because uh, she needs to stay and defend him or something, doesn't she? Yeah, but, like, I mean... You know, half an hour before, there was a small scene which we sort of didn't mention, but basically she slags off Dunny's mum massively. She basically yeah. goes like, you know, you need to basically sort yourself out with raising your kids. I, I think you never really cared about uh, the the, uh, the dance troupe as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then bang, you know, she's asking her to sort of do this massive favour. So basically Donnie's mum sort of begrudgingly goes, yeah, fuck it, I'll, I'll take the kids to like LA and, yeah. you know, do this sort of like dance thing. And obviously that sets up like the end part of this movie because basically there's going to be a big old Halloween party and there's going to be no parents around. So, mm. you know, shit's going to go on yeah and then uh moving along um we are in the classroom again and you see the word cellar door mm, which is a uh what's it called um j uh what's his name jr tolkien. tolkien i was gonna say jk rowling then <laughs> um yeah it's because so basically this cellar door thing i'd never heard about this and i thought oh i wonder what that's all about then why is that like you know is that real that's some sort of literacy you know um experts said it's such yeah. a nice sort of you know phrase anyway i looked it up yeah you're right jr tolkien said it was the most nicest you know thing that could come out of a human's mouth always yeah. you know it sounds it, so lovely the other weird story for me on this is obviously i remember that from this film and always thinking about it and i remember um uh, Celador is a, a production company. They do things like um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and stuff like that. And I always remember picking that. I wonder if that's the reason. It turns out it is the reason they're called Celador, where they just reworded it. Celador. Yeah, it's C-E-L-A-D-O-R. So they spelled it differently, but it's, it's for that reason. Yeah. Uh, but I also remember um, at university, um, I did some modules on literature and language, and it came up there, and, and the, the teacher said, does anyone know about Celador? And I was like, yeah, Donnie Darko. Like, like it's in Donnie Darko. They're talking about <laughs> Donnie Darko. And they say, yeah, but what about it? And I was like, racking my brains like, shit, what did she say? <laughs> what did oh, she say about it's it? like the most beautiful uh, phrase in the English language and they're like oh, amazing yeah <laughs> I didn't mention it was Donnie Darko but I just knew I was like it's Donnie Darko but what is it and, and they were like oh man, that's, that's a really incredible that's like the best thing I ever did at uni yes <laughs> thing is though if anyone ever thought watching movies was like a waste of time like yeah. that is fucking proof <laughs> yeah. that it, there's so much more to it than just sitting in front of a box watching yeah. you know it's, it's educating you in every which way yeah. and me you know it's like I said I learned a lot <laughs> that was a proud moment for me and I forgot yeah. about that moment so that, that was like 15 years ago and I forgot about that moment until I watched this film this time nice. I was like, oh it shit yeah, took you back good times yeah. you time Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. I did a loop. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we go back to Donnie being hypnotized again. And he talks about hungry hippos, uh, which I loved. Um, oh, he didn't get it as a kid. So he, he was, like, was fuming. Yeah. Um, and uh, flooding the school and burning the house. Um, and Donnie is quite clearly deteriorating at this point. Mm, yeah. He's literally, he's basically spilling it all now. And um, yeah, he's pretty much at his lowest ebb now, isn't yeah. he? And uh, yeah, she, she then snaps him out of it again. Um, and then we basically, we got one day remaining. Uh, so things are really ramping up a bit. Uh, Maggie finds out she gets into Harvard. So oh. Don, Donnie and her decide to uh, throw a Halloween party. And so, the parents are aware, aren't they? So it's yeah. what better time? A bit uh, funny, he, she goes, yeah, we better keep it pretty small. But then you see the party and there's loads of people there, you know, it's well rammed. If that's small, I want to go to one of their big parties. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but Gretchen turns up to this party crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, one thing leads to another, and they have sex. Yeah, like it's a classic, like you know, party, isn't it? When you're at school, you know what I mean. He takes her upstairs, and they have sex. And um, 
they basically then they, they come down the stairs and I quite like this shot as well because it's like slow motion and their like feet are like they're going down the stairs exactly the same time yeah. and you just get a bit of a, a feeling that like they're probably both a bit buzzing that they just like had sex do you know yeah. what I mean like um, but it wasn't like on the nose like you know I just thought it was a good way of showing like how they're, like in tune they were. Yeah, they're in tune. They're connected. Mm. They've you know they've they've got closer. Yeah, I agree. I I, I spotted the same thing, mate. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. We're in tune. Yeah, we're in tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah we've had sex. We're in tune. Let's not have sex, <laughs> please. <laughs> and then um, we see a sign on the fridge door again saying Frank was here, went to get beer, mm. uh, which is a great poem, but also foreshadowing. Oh, there's an actual Frank. Um, uh, and uh, he's not here, he went to get beer. Uh, and there's six hours to go now, um, and he's starting to see wormholes again, which usually means something's going to happen. Uh, uh, but he freaks out and uh, decides to cycle off with his mates and Gretchen. Mm. And one of them is dressed as bloody Hulk Hogan, isn't he? Which is <laughs> yeah, cool. It's brilliant. And the other's like a bloody caveman or whatever. So, again, like, it's well, like, classic 80s. They jump on, like, BMXs and they ride down the road, don't they? And they go to, um, I forget the name, the old lady. The Grandma Death. Grandma Death's house, don't they? And that phrase, the the the, the cellar door, sort mm. of, like, comes back, doesn't it? And, and that's, like, Donnie's first port of call to try and get in the house, which yeah. he goes to the, the cellar door. And this next bit, again, like it sort of comes out of nowhere. You just you see Donnie and Gretchen sort of look at each other lovingly, like you know th this is the right thing to do. And then out of nowhere, bang! The bullies just turn up yeah. and like basically kick off, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so they kind of get thrown out by these. They're masked at the time, but with knives. Um, and this is where Donnie gets a knife to his throat and says, uh, "Does ex machina." Um, uh, and I don't know why he says it at this point. That's what I. That's what I don't get. You know, it's about. An unsolvable, an unsolvable problem being resolved suddenly and by an unexpected event, and I was like, "What's being solved right here by that?" Like, yeah. So this is something that does get lost on me, um, and I'd, I'd be interesting to hear your opinions, uh, listeners. Um, so if you've got any idea why that's said at that particular point, feel mm. free to to let us know. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, there's a bit of a scuffle, isn't there? And Gretchen's on the floor. That red car from earlier that we uh, that we saw right at the start, kind of comes careering down um, and skids and unfortunately runs over Gretchen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically, it, it, it sort of swerves round to miss the old lady, doesn't it? And just goes bosh straight over Gretchen, which is brutal. The, bu the bullies run off and, um, and then out, out gets um, Frank out of the driver's seat and a clown from the other side and Donnie basically just whips out the gun doesn't he and basically mm. just like pops Frank right in the head straight in the eye yeah which is like brutal but then again that links back to you know 20 minutes ago we know now why Frank had that injury on the eye mm -hmm. um, so Frank's obviously laying there Gretchen's like dead and basically Donnie says to the clown just go runs off doesn't yeah. he you know so the clown just fucks off so yeah Donnie then carry, carries Gretchen's body home um, and you start seeing a wormhole open above his house. So mm. things are really... Proper apocalypse isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like a black cloud, it's all thundery and stuff. So he um, he decides to um, get Gretchen and then they drive out to the countryside, don't they? He mm. basically takes the keys. Oh, I noticed as well, when he grabbed the keys, there was just a little blockbuster, si uh, yeah. blockbuster card. Yeah, I was like, exactly. yeah, that's old yeah. school. Um, and basically he takes her out into the country, doesn't he? Mm. Her dead body. Back back on the, I believe, the same road that he was in on yeah. when, uh, at the start of the movie. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Obviously his mum's obviously on a plane because, and, and this is another way that all of his actions have had reactions that have led to this, this, this very point. So for example... 
uh, grandma death, his involvement there, going over to see her. She's the one that walks out onto the road and the car therefore swerves and hits his girlfriend. Um, uh, also, the fact that he set fire to Jim Cunningham's house and he's now being investigated for uh, kiddie porn and the woman that was supposed to take the the kids to this dance show couldn't no longer go therefore his mum is on that plane mm. with his sister didn't think of that yeah. you're right his mum would not be in his yeah. sister in that plane if it wasn't for him if it weren't yeah. for him and also there's that voiceover at this point isn't there this the science teacher talking about how to travel back through time you need like uh some sort of ship type metal yeah. tube and obviously yeah. they're on a plane yeah. um but i never thought that you're right yeah. if, if if he hadn't set fire to the teacher's house uh, sorry to swayze's house the mum wouldn't be on the plane yeah. so also if he hadn't cool. have uh, flooded the school and then the the bully thought that it was um, Donnie that dobbed him in and, and blamed it on him they wouldn't have a problem with each other and therefore they wouldn't have come to find them at the house and dragged them out and put a knife to his throat so everything that starts happening at this point is all from actions that Donnie or, or at least Frank has forced or suggested that Donnie do mm. um, so it all comes to a, to a head at the same point um, so yeah, this, it's just something that dawned on me then. This this is all because of what Frank has made Donnie do. Yeah, I never thought that, but that is a good shout. Mm. And like I say, it's just, it's quite nice to actually think back that we're in this situation right now in the movie because of things that happened half an hour, yeah. an hour ago. You know, all these little things that led to to this, which is cool. Yeah, and and it's it's because the film is a little bit about you know destiny and and you know the time travel ele element and stuff like that, and all of this kind of all loops in together. I just find it's very clever how it's done, mm. and obviously the engine falls through the the wormhole which is we now know oh that's what happened so obviously the first suggestion is oh that's gone back in time and landed on his house mm -hmm. and frank was the reason that donnie wasn't in his bed uh, so he saved him at that point uh but but back in time on this point the le engine lands in the house um, and donnie is in bed mm -hmm. um so the kind of that explains a little bit. Okay, so that's closed that kind of time loop. I well, think. the thing is, Donnie's um, he's laughing as um, so mm. that night instead of like going out or instead of Frank's sort of, you know making him sleepwalk, Donnie's laying in bed smiling. And what I got from that is that Donnie knows how to save like Gretchen and to make things save right. the world. In fact, yeah, save everything. You're right. Yeah. To forget this 28 days and all that stuff. The, what he's got to do is basically kill himself. And he mm. he says a line, Donnie, about how. He's sort of excited, something like about how he's not that scared to die because he thinks whatever's going to be next is going to be like really beautiful and yeah. stuff. So, you know, quite sad, really. And um, yeah, he basically goes to bed, smiling his head off, and is like, you know, almost saying, bring it on. And the, basically, the jet engine just smashes him to bits, doesn't yeah. it? Which is brutal. And That's then we got this, um, yeah, we get the uh, Mad World uh, song, which obviously was massive in this country, Christmas number one, I believe, uh, over a montage of characters. Mm. Um, and, and also, the, the, all the characters we're seeing at this point, they're, they're in bed, and some of them look like they're waking up like from a dream. And yeah. so it does make you think, like, you know, because there's a bit in like a couple of minutes we'll talk about in there, but it makes you think that, so, sorry, we're not getting too complicated, is that we're meant to think now that these characters nothing that has happened in the film actually happened because we're right Up back to at the, the start. point where the the jet play the, yeah yeah so gretchen doesn't know donnie for example that's it but she's looking disturbed in bed but why yeah she doesn't seem to know so again i know it's not going to tell us the film but it like it does make you think that are they all just going like that night going whoa just had a weird you know vision of what i don't know it just it gives you it plants that seed doesn't yeah it? it feels like they've been in that time loop and gone back but their most of their memories have been erased but there's something not right something mm. doesn't feel right it's like having a really long fucked up dream yeah. um and then waking up and going 
whoa, that, that's, if that happened, that would have been mental. Yeah. And it's, you know, so I think that's cool. But again, the film doesn't explain it, which I think adds to the, you know, it means that we, we got to chat about it like this because that's the coolest thing, isn't yeah. it? You know, sort of like debating, you know, what you think happened. And uh, we also, one of those characters we see is, is Frank, uh, who has drawn and designed his bunny mask ready for Halloween. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of like he's getting, he's prepared, but it's such a, a simple way of showing this is just a normal bloke really mm. that's got caught up in it um and the whole family is crying there's his sisters and his dad you know really upset that donnie has died uh, but his mum's just kind of leaning against a tree having a smoke and you think what is she like completely heartless or is is it seem like she 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 knows something it i don't know like has she remembered anything like she was on that plane dying is she then skipped back and going actually Donnie saved. I, I like that's another thing. I'm not sure. That's very ambiguous for me. Mm. Um, and then you get that weird glance um, and a wave uh, from Gretchen. Like obviously, uh, very strange. Just lost her son, and she just waves. Yeah, because she rides up to that little boy. What happened? Oh, a jet. <laughs> the little boy says something funny. Actually, a jet plane squished a boy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and then basically Gretchen's just bogging out the mum, isn't it? And then yeah. basically Gretchen just starts waving, and then the mum waves back and. Um, again, if there was, you know, one part of the film, which I think people probably just debate, like, you know, all over the shop, it'd be that because fucking, what does that mean? Do you know? Well, I heard an interview with Richard Kelly, the writer director, mm. and he said that is based on a moment that he never forgets from his childhood. He was just uh, outside a hotel for some reason. And you saw this lady looking blankly out of the window and he just randomly put his hand up and waved at her and she waved back and they just had this moment where they're waving at each other and it's just stuck with him he doesn't know why or the context or how he came to be there or whatever he just mm. remembers it happening and he decided to put it in this so it might not mean anything it might just be him saying that's eerie that's weird um but it might also mean that they both know something like mm. do they remember something in the background their subconscious knows well i i know you you're my son's girlfriend and i know you you're my yeah you're my boyfriend's mum well i heard this film was like quite like biographical the guy who like wrote directed you know he he said that like you said with this waving thing you know it's um yeah loads of my childhood i was put into this film yeah so you're right it could mean bugger all it could be like you know a whole can of worms opening you know it is in about like did they remember a little bit from the past. Who knows? And I think that's like the beauty, you know, it just leaves it so open. Yeah, agree. And then, yeah, that's that weird glance is basically the end of the film to, mm. to Mad World and, and, and that's the end. Um, before we get into reviews and stuff like that, mate, what what do you think this, this film means? <laughs> what do you think it's about? Uh, what do I think it's about? I think it is about... Yeah, I, I basically what do you think's happening I, as well. So basically, like I, I films like this do confuse me a little bit. It's not that's not such a bad thing, but I my, my small brain can't handle a lot of this sort of stuff. So quite simply, I think this film is about um on its absolute simplest level, the world's gonna end and unless Donnie Darko um it basically because he got out of bed that night um, the world's going to end. So, uh, the basically, uh, a, a, a time-travelling bunny <laughs> um, is basically putting things uh, in the way to make... So, basically, to make Gretchen die, because I think that's the worst thing that can happen to Donny. Because so, I think if the world ends, Don, Donny will be bothered, but not that much. But if Gretchen dies, I think it's really, really affected him. So, I think Gretchen needs to die. So the, And so, Donny knows the only way to go back and save Gretchen and the world is to make sure that... Go back in time, make sure the uh, jet plane hits him and you know mm -hmm. I, sorry i find it hard to explain because it's that 
fucking complicated. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's just, um, I even get complicated even explaining it. So that's what I think. I think it's very simply, Donnie Darko needs to see what would happen if he got out of bed and realised that he shouldn't have got out of bed that yeah. night and he needs to die. Well, this time round, because usually at the end of the film, I, I think, yeah, I, I think I understand it. And, and usually I'm not writing notes about a film. Mm. At this point, I was like, this is my first opportunity to write down what I think this film is. So I put, put a few notes and this is what I think this is what I thought this time. So in this world, time has become unstable, right? Right. Uh, whether it's for everybody or just Donnie, we don't know. Uh, but it's creating like alternative time, uh, an alternative timeline or possible potential tangent timelines, right. uh, which then can collapse on themselves. All right. So therefore, from the moment Donnie, which we spoke about earlier, meets Frank until the very final scene, the film takes part in this timeline that's kind of separated from the main official timeline so mm -hmm. what's informing me more this time is the series loki which i've spoken to you about which is yep. a, which is about this sacred timeline which is the official timeline mm. that everybody should be on and then you get these alternative ones that branch off like a tree you know yep. you get the main trunk and then timelines are branching off so that that was kind of informing me this time around so if you imagine the film from when he meets frank kind of branching off the main trunk and then when he manages to close that loop, it separates it back and then they go back into the main trunk again. So because that, so that's basically, it, he pruned the tree back to the, how it should be. So that's what they were doing in, in Loki. And that kind of feels right for this. Mm, so it does. This whole film's in a branch of the timeline that's split away from the main trunk of time. That's why it's in a time loop. Although, so he loops back. So like a usual time loop film, like Groundhog Day, except the loop closes on itself and doesn't keep going. Right. So, so you loop back. But it doesn't keep going. It then just continues. It just carries on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The main trunk. Because something changed. He changed it. Mm. Um, so Frank is there to make sure uh, it doesn't die and therefore saves the universe by completing that loop. And uh, he he's like the white rabbit guiding him down the rabbit hole, you know, like Alice in Wonderland, blah, blah, blah. Take the blue pill, Matrix and Wonderland, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that, that's what I'm thinking. And then kind of, I, I've read something as well that, Donnie uses telekinesis to remove the jet engine from the plane and into the wormhole. And I was like, there is, like, why, why, like, where have we ever seen a point where... What, making things up? Yeah, like, Do there's no point at which it's suggested that Donnie has telekinesis. I know he's staring at the plane in the distance, but we don't see him straining to remove anything. And right. and then I was thinking to myself, well, is that how the wallet got there, telekinesis? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I believe that. Um and that, but the alternative uh, explanation is this all just taking place in the mind of a schizophrenic who's imagining his potential future as he's dying. He's on his deathbed. He's just been hit by a jet engine. And this all happens within a second. That's an another theory as well. Yeah, it's, it's valid. And, and that's the beauty. Like, we'll never know. And I think it's good that we don't know because, you know what I mean, your theory was, you know, different to mine. And you said other people were making up stuff off the top of their head. And yeah. I like that. I think that's really, really cool. You I'm know? pretty sure I think something different every time I watch it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I, it's one of the things I really like about this film. But before we uh, go ahead and share our final thoughts, mate, um, our friends at Cinestructure, Jen and Daniel, have uh, sent us some of their own thoughts on Donnie darko in a, f a new feature that we're going to call the infinite film cameo so uh take it away uh cinestructure hi i'm jen and i'm daniel and we're from cinestructure so i first watched donnie darko in college i think my first year actually and the thing i really connected to was this person who was kind of socially isolated a little awkward had a small group of friends um he went to private school i also went to private catholic school 
But he was in this kind of place in his life where he was starting to open his eyes to the idea that there was a larger world. Right. In kind of every sense, in the sense of being open to the idea of, you know, there being more beyond this small town and maybe feeling like it was a little confining. Mm -hmm. And also in the sense that he was, you know, opening to this idea of time travel, which kind of unravels as the movie goes. Yeah. Um, So I saw the movie when it first came out, actually. I saw a poster for it in a newspaper, and I was kind of intrigued by the poster. I didn't know anything about it. And I went to see it at the Rialto Theater in South Pasadena, actually. Oh, nice. <clears throat> yeah, it's a nice theater. I was kind of floored by the movie. I, I like you, I kind of identified with uh, the main character, uh, with Donnie Darko, because I was kind of a, a an outcast from my own s- school situation. You know, I had friends, but I didn't really, I wasn't really close to anybody, kind of like he is. Yeah, I remember the movie, I mean, when it came out, it was just such bad timing. It had a lot kind of going against it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Columbine had just happened in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And 9-11. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it just happened like a few months before. Right before the release, yeah. So we had to, you know, it was a little awkward, the idea of any part of a plane falling out of the sky. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think people really wanted to kind of, you know, talk about it at all. Nobody wanted to see that. So the movie takes place in October 1988. And I think the thing that kind of strikes me the most interesting about the movie is that it doesn't feel very 80s. It's it's not steeped in nostalgia the way most movies that take place in the 80s are. Yeah, like you think about the 80s movies and you think, you know, Breakfast Club, like basically any John Hughes movie, you think Weird Science, you think Ferris Bueller, and there's a really potent style to all of those movies with the clothes and the cars and just the right. way that they were shot and, you know. Yeah, and those movies for some reason, are more steeped in their own nostalgia than this movie is, which was made 20 years later after those movies. So it's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of weird. It's interesting. It's like when they were filming all those types of movies, they were really trying to create like time capsules mm-hmm. within themselves. Whereas Donnie Darko is talking about it, I think, more from the way that we remember the 80s. Like I was a young child um, in the late 80s, but I don't remember things looking the way that they do when you think about, no. you know, those those movies that are really kind of capturing the time. I remember it being more like the way Donnie Darko feels yeah. where, you know, there was a little bit of a style and there was, you know, obvious trends like mm-hmm. we always have, but Baggy nothing. Yeah. The weird, the weird haircuts. But not the really like poppy kind of no, look that no. I think we associate now with the 80s yeah right no and um going into the music too the music was not for the movie at least wasn't very poppy it was there were popular bands but they were using some of their lesser known songs like tears for fears obviously it was a huge band in the 80s but the song they used in the movie for that famous you know rapping shot mm-hmm. um was not one of their biggest hits no and i mean now yeah of course <clears throat> yeah, but, now it is, but yeah. then and you know it's it's definitely less mainstream stuff and i i think they were um you know, really trying to kind of push the the notion of the being an outsider a little mm-hmm. bit more and, yeah. and trying to capture that whole idea. And I think that comes a lot down to, you know, trying to associate with the director. This is a very personal story for him. And in fact, when you're talking about location specifically, the um, director actually wrote it inspired by the town that he grew up in, which was Midlothian, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, the director being Richard Kelly, by the way. So he kind of, you know, grew up in the late 80s, um, and actually, there were characters in the movie that were legitimate people that were in the right. town. Grandma Death, right? Yeah, she was a real person. Um, I think I read that he had actually that self-help in the school curriculum. Yeah. I don't think it 
it probably wasn't what was portrayed in the movie no. that you know the kind of right. notion of the evil self-help idea that's you know really kind of Just um pervasive and yeah and, yeah exactly yeah. but you know there were a lot of things that he pulled from mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about that is that in fact the movie was actually shot in and around los angeles and long beach right but it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look like it they picked some really good locations to kind of look more like a you know east to coast even a midwestern mm-hmm. town mm-hmm. um it gave a really kind of small town feel but these areas are anything but that <laughs> yeah it's funny because a lot of movies that are shot in la they tend to do a pretty good job of making it feel like the area they some other area that isn't la like i think dexter does a pretty good job dexter's pretty yeah show. it really looks <clears> like <throat> my i mean i'm from florida <clears throat> and i didn't realize it was not shot in florida except i had no pilot. yeah except for yeah but i i honestly thought the entire show was shot in miami and i did not realize it was actually in long beach yeah so and you know a lot of that comes down to budget which we'll get into as we get into a little bit more of the technical specifics of the film but um you know it it is really clever how if you do find the right locations and you have the right location manager and, and scouts and the right production designer and the right cinematographer you can really capture a different feel yeah, in the sure. los angeles area mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the whole movie i think took only 28 days to actually film so that's a pretty that's a pretty pretty quick turnaround for uh, a movie of this length. Yeah, and this complexity really. Yeah, and it's it's really I think it's all about having the right team. So we have director Richard Kelly, mm-hmm. which this was his first film. He was fresh yeah. out of film school. This was again, like I said, a personal story, and he really didn't want anybody else directing it. Um, I know it was shopped around, and there were other people that suggested, you know, maybe so and so can direct this, and he said, no way, I'm I'm right. doing this. Yeah. And there was production designer Alec Hammond. Mm-hmm. And um, the cinematographer, Stephen Poster, right. who comes with a lot of experience, which, you know, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but, you know, a great team working on a low budget film. I think the, yeah. the budget was somewhere around four and a half million dollars, I right. think, for and this a, movie. And a good cast, too. Yeah. Really I, strong supporting cast. It just it goes to show you that if you have the right formula, you can kind of make magic with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think the team was pretty clever in how they used their budget. Again, shooting in L.A. as opposed to where he grew up, which was in Virginia. So the team was pretty clever in how they used their budget. Um, they, they didn't build very many sets. They focused mainly on using relocations and pre-existing places. Uh, the only exception was Donnie's bedroom, right? Yeah, it was actually, it was a set. And the reason they built a set, I mean, obviously because they dropped a jet engine through it. But apparently they were able to find a jet engine shell at, I think, like a junkyard or something and paid $10,000 for it and basically used air pressure to really push it through this bedroom set. So I think um, from what I've been able to find, that is the only set that was actually built. Everything else was real locations, real houses, real offices, real spaces. Um, Yeah. And and you said something about how they were fighting him on the jet engine, how the jet engine wouldn't actually fall off a plane. and then. Yeah, it was funny. So a lot of people kept telling him, you know, it's not really possible. A jet engine would actually not ever fall off of a plane. This is something that would never happen. And coincidentally, I can't remember if it was during filming. I think it was midway through filming. Mm -hmm. A jet engine actually did fall off of a plane. I'd have to look up the specifics of the incident again. But, you know, he just kind of you know, just kind of goes to show you anything's possible. And even though it seemed like a crazy idea and there wasn't precedent for it, you know, yeah. he, he kind of nailed it there. Yeah. Um, getting back to the cinematographer, um, he worked on he worked at various camera departments, various films like uh, Close Encounters, uh, Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, Big Trouble in China, The Crow, Unbreakable, Rocky Five, Big Top, Pee Wee, all kinds of stuff. And he um, he kind of wanted the film to have a certain look, right? 
Yeah, he really, you know, wanted to do an anamorphic format, which um, is more widescreen. So the idea of digital film, it was really just in its infancy. People were just starting to use it. So going to film was kind of a no-brainer at this point. Um, anamorphic, though, he got a little bit of pushback because, you know, again, we're dealing with a small budget. And when you're dealing with anamorphic film, you basically have to double the amount of lighting that's required for the mm. shot. So the great thing about anamorphic is you fit more into the width of the shot because it's more wide, less tall, but you're doubling lighting. Mm -hmm. So he got a little bit clever. Um, because he knew they were going to be shooting in Long Beach, they were going to be working with actual low ceilings, not these high studio spaces. Mm -hmm. um, it meant that they could put any extra lights that they wanted on the actual ceiling plane and they wouldn't have to worry about them being seen. Right. So basically they were ceiling mounting lights where they needed to and it wasn't in the shot because the anamorphic cuts off a lot of the height. Right, and the stock that they used uh, also helped cut down the light. I think it was Kodak 800 ASA stock and that's one of the only films... Uh, film shot on this stock actually it's um, not used very often yeah because it's kind of grainy yeah it's kind of grainy and from what i've read this is the only film but i mean you know i'd have to go through and actually verify that i yeah. mean who knows and at the, this point yeah and um other simple tricks they used to create the look and feel the movie and locations i mean the movie was made to look dark more or less overall donnie darko <laughs> yeah exactly and even in scenes where it's right outside you know it's still kind of dark <clears throat> so used they used a lot of heavy backlighting to create you know a depth and darkness in it Right. Even in, in scenes that are broad daylight, you get this sense that there's like this looming almost like darkness or shadowiness to everything. Um, so basic lighting breakdown, there are endless combinations of the way you can do lights. And, you know, there are certain master cinematographers like Roger Deakins is known as like the master of light because, I mean, look at his movies. They're yeah, absolutely brilliantly done. But basically, if you're going to break it into like the really simple points, you have front lighting with a key light, which is your main light. And that illuminates the character. It gives some visual dimensionality to the character itself. Mm -hmm. And then you have backlighting, which actually is, I mean, all these are exactly what they sound like. Backlighting comes from the back and its point is to separate the character from the background to give the entire shot some depth. So basically they heavy backlit this mm -hmm. and didn't so much front light it. So they made the, the shots actually look more deep and more right. just, you know. And helps helps really sell that idea of isolation and being you know apart from everything around you. Right. Uh, so they use a lot of um, <clears throat> they use a lot of visual tricks in the in the movie besides the lighting, uh, ramping, which is you shoot something in slow motion and then switch it up to fast and then slow and then normal speed. It's it's a difficult thing to do in camera, but they did it all in camera and it was uh, used during that very famous sequence, the Tear sequence, when he's arriving at school and it's going through all the different characters. It slows down and speeds up and goes to normal speed. Um, that was a really, really hard thing to film because it wasn't digital. Right. So now it's really easy to do because, you know, we can program cameras, basically. We can say, this time I want it to, you know, move at this speed and I want it to, like, turn this way. And, I mean, there's so much you can do now with cameras. But this was actually done physically in person. They actually handed off the camera when it needed to be handed to somebody else. They moved faster. They moved slower. It was, you know, a lot of adjusting and... And, you know, you also have to talk about lighting, too, yeah. because when you're moving your um, your speed with the camera itself and even with your physical person you and you're moving angles and you're switching direction, the lighting is always going to have to be adjusted and yeah. changed. So, I Constantly. mean, yeah, so this is this is something that's really difficult to film and something that, you know, they rehearsed ahead of time, actually, to get, you know, at first, I think everybody was a little opposed to this scene. Yeah, they were fighting. Yeah, I remember reading that they, you know, said, um, you know, this is a glorified music video, basically, mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie, and mm -hmm. why do you need this? 
And the cinematographer even, I don't think, got it. But then he said when they walked it through and actually tried to time it properly, he completely got what the director was going for, Richard right. Kelly was going for. And, you know, it ends up being actually probably the most iconic sequence of the entire movie. Yeah, I, I, that was something that always stuck out to me when I first watched the movie. It was really just really beautifully done. So otherwise, there was no manipulation to the coloration of the film. Um, you know a lot about that kind of stuff, you know, the color. Yeah, back then they would have had to do it uh, in a lab. Chemically, it would have taken a lot of time and it would have been very expensive. So it kind of helped with the weirdness of the film and make it stand out on its own so that it's not so processed. Yeah, they weren't they weren't going out of their way to try to make the movie look weird. Yeah. They really actually, what they did was create an overly pretty basic and mundane looking film. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these clever camera tricks, the clever, mm -hmm. you know, ramping tricks and the special effects. I yeah. mean, those are the things that really made this movie very unique and mm -hmm. kind of really special yeah and they were very minimal throughout the movie but i think that helped them stand out a bit more uh throughout the mundane environments and you know kind of making them a little bit more special as a result uh the workers those time tunnels that are coming out of people's bodies and leading them you know every which way mm -hmm. uh, they obviously took a hint from the abyss Right, the the water manipulation that the aliens do mm -hmm. in the abyss, it's, it's almost the exact same effect. They also do um, the liquid ripple of the mirrors. It's really cool when right. Donnie like, smacks his hand on the mirror and it just kind of ripples. Uh -huh. And um, then the wormhole itself. I mean, right, the one for you know being such a low-budget movie and when it was released, like that that wormhole, all the effects look really good yeah, to me. Yeah, it looks me. really... I, I, think I they mean, we watched up. it recently. Yeah. yeah, they hold up even after, what, 20 years, I think, in yeah, 2001? It really does. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, talking about the workers, it's it's such an interesting idea. And it's kind of like a dark idea, like that we have these paths that we're set to follow mm -hmm. that physically manifest themselves. So. Yeah. It's like, you know, I said I related to this because you're, I was at a point where I was realizing how that the world was a bigger place mm -hmm. and I felt like the character was doing the same, but it kind of makes you think like, is it really that big if, if that's like the way our world works, mm -hmm. which obviously this is just a movie, but right. you know, if we're being manipulated by these paths that we're already predestined to follow, like how big is really our world? Yeah. Well, what's funny about those, those uh, workers is that they only go like a certain distance they only go to like a few seconds ahead of time. It's not like it's showing you every single path you're going to take for the rest of your life or even for the rest of the day. It's just a few seconds in the future. So maybe it's not that you know depressing. It's just like you made a choice and it's like, oh, now you want to go to the fridge and get something to, to eat. or drink Yeah, or and he only sees them at certain times. They're not always right. there. I, it's no. it's really an interesting concept. Yeah, the whole idea is weird. Um, And then, you know, the, the thing I think about the costumes is another unique thing. Like overall... There's not really much costuming no, to the film. I mean, basic. one thing that you noticed was the school uniforms. Yeah, they don't really have... Um, there's there's nothing remarkable about them. They're um, branded. Usually, I mean, you know better than I would because you, um, you went to a private school, but usually they have like a, a, a logo or... Yeah, you have very specific tartans, yeah, which, yeah. you know, the plaid colors. Everybody's wearing the same color, everybody. And they do in this film, but it's yeah. it's a lot more understated and simple and, you know, definitely logos. Like, my schools were all about putting our logos yeah, all over sure. everything. and you, see that in every you don't see that here. So it kind of is really playing to that idea of ambiguity mm -hmm. um, that, you know, this could just be anywhere. It could be any person. It can be, you know, anybody can relate to this kind mm -hmm. of idea in this world. Yeah, and then Frank the Bunny, uh, the character design itself was by was designed by Richard Kelly originally, right? Yeah, it was Richard Kelly's design. Um, you know, he he still says when you when he's asked in interviews where the idea came from, he 
you know, says Watership Down, or maybe it was just that he really liked bunnies. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't really know. He said maybe it was in a dream. It's so he's never really specifically said where the bunny came from, but the way that it looked, the sketches, the idea of it was definitely something that he came up with. Yeah, and I think the, th- the thing that fascinates me most about its design is that it doesn't reference any particular piece of pop culture. It's just... It is its own thing. It has essentially become a uh, part of pop culture as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that kind of goes through with most of the costumes, the Halloween costumes that you see as well. Everyone's wearing pretty generic things, except for maybe a few people here and there. But everyone's wearing like, oh, witch costumes or you know, you know monster costumes. Nothing that stands out, and that might be a rights issue, but. Again, it kind of it kind of feeds into that idea of ambiguity. Yeah, the only character that I noticed because I rewatched the Halloween scene just to see if there were any kind of really specific characters. No, one that I really noticed was the guy dressed as Hulk Hogan, yeah, but it was again kind of a really generic version of Hulk Hogan. It, yeah. it was like if you went to Halloween Town and saw, you know, generic eighties wrestler costume yeah. or something like that. That's kind of what it was going for. Yeah, just so they could save money on the rights and they won't have to actually pay him out. Yeah. So overall, you know, the production for this this movie, it's it's not one of the films that does like a bigger deal with the production design. It was very simple. It was clever. Mm-hmm. Um, they used their budget wisely. They used the budget really wisely because, like I said, it was so limited. So, you know, when it comes down to it, it just goes to show you what a classic piece of cinema you can make with, with such a small budget. Yeah. Again, if you have the right team. If you have the right team and you have people who are really passionate about it and know what they want, like Richard Kelly did with with the movie so yeah absolutely and if you're interested in this sort of thing and you want to learn more about production design cinematography lighting costume architecture and film visit our youtube channel um we're cinestructure c-i-n-e structure give us a subscribe and if you like our videos be sure to you know click like leave us a comment share check us out on social media we're on instagram facebook twitter tiktok Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. We're really looking forward to hearing the finished podcast. Well, thanks, Jen and Daniel. It's always good to have uh, another set of opinions on the podcast. So thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on the next film. Yeah, I mean, great to have you guys on. And um, from watching um, Cine Structures videos on YouTube, um, these guys you know, are really expert in in production design and, and the look of movies and how you know filmmakers like achieve that. And I mean, I know me and Dan have watched you know a selection of um, a selection of their videos. And like, I mean, for example, I watched I watched one this week about um, them talking about the Truman Show, which really really interesting i mean jen having a having uh you know a career in architecture she can really deep dive into the look of that movie and like why it looks like it does you know they did another one which was all about alien and i mean what a great looking film and again they really deep dive into like you know how ridley scott and the team you know created every facet of that film from the alien to the really small little um you know corridors and things and it's just really really interesting videos on youtube on the cine structure page yeah they are really good so i've, I've watched a couple myself as well i watched the uh, the june one and i think a mission impossible one as well nice um but yeah really well made they they, they know their stuff and they both come at it from different angles so uh yeah go check them out guys yeah absolutely like i say they've got a youtube channel they've got um, a twitter which is at cine structure and they've also got an instagram page so check them out give them a like watch some of their movies they um yeah they make some great videos and yeah thanks for um you know appearing on the Inf- infinite film club guys we appreciate it yeah good stuff and if you're keen on sharing your thoughts on our next film uh hang around uh, to find out what that film's going to be and you 
could next week be part of the Infinite Film cameo. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hang around and find out what the film is. Give it a watch and you can send us a, a clip of, of your response to the film. Mm. Um, but uh, before we get to that, mate, um, we'll, we will hear from uh, Sinistructure one more time before the end of the episode uh, for reasons I'll explain in a bit. Um, do, do you want to give us your final thoughts on Donnie Darko, mate? Yeah, love to. So Donnie Darko is, um, if I'm honest, um, I find it hard to um, explain like the story and what I think went on because every time I say it, I sort of think something a little bit different. And I think that that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make a film where, you know, every time you watch it, you might think something different. And you know, I don't think you're meant to understand it. And my little brain can't really understand time travel and time warps and things very well. So did I understand it? No. But... Does that mean I didn't enjoy it? No. Um, I do like this movie. Um, basically, I just like being in this world, in this neighbourhood. Um, I really like being with Jake Gyllenhaal in this film. Like, uh, as we said earlier, it's the film I think about Jake Gyllenhaal the most. And I think it's probably, like, off the top of my head, like my favourite Jake Gyllenhaal film. I just really like being with him in his world in this film. Um, it's it's just, I just, I just, the whole two-hour runtime, it does sort of fly by. It is confusing, but I think it's meant to be confusing. So sometimes I might say on the back of a film, I didn't get it, I didn't enjoy it. But this film, um, it's... It does a good. It basically it confuses me. To, really confuses me. But I, I I like being swept up in the confusion. And like I said, I I really enjoy talking about it with you, Dan, and with other people. You know, I like. You know, what do I think? What do you think? And I think that's the mark of like a really interesting film. We could talk all night about this film. So mm. did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. Did I get it? No. If I was going to score the film, I would give this film um, a seven. Um, thoroughly enjoyable. Two hours. Really, really good. And another thing I would say is that. I would be happy to sit down again and watch this film like next week because I think I would find more little tidbits and little Easter eggs and I think that's the mark of a, of a real banger. So yeah, for me, 7 out of 10, I really like enjoyed Donnie Darko. Good stuff, man. I think a lot of people will will have the same opinion of, as you, like especially around the, the understanding of it. I think I agree. You don't have to fully understand this uh, to enjoy it. I don't think I fully understand it either. Um, but let me say like first of all both Gyllenhaal and Richard Kelly are are the standout stars from this from from my uh, from my point of view uh, Gyllenhaal is kind of like like effortlessly watchable for someone so young at this point he's just like full of charisma uh, and Richard Kelly kind of like smashes his debut beyond uh, the bleachers we, we we were talking uh, just now uh, George before the podcast about how the fact that this guy just comes in and, and does this film and he hasn't really uh, recreated uh, the genius uh, of this film uh, up to this point uh, but this is just one hell of a debut um, it's it's smart it's it's ambiguous as that's the word that keeps cropping up about this film. It's it's moody. Um, it, it's funny in parts, uh, which I forgot about really because I always just think about the kind of intense uh, nature of it. It's depressing at points. It, it's unsettling. It's emotionally confusing yet very grat gratifying uh, for me. Um, there's that gradual building unease that creeps up on you uh, and the, the soundtrack, uh, disturbing visuals and the increasing like separation from reality that Donnie is experiencing uh, really just pushes all of that home. Um, I like the fact that I view it differently every time, as you said, like every time you watch it, you, you get something different out of it. I like that everyone has a different idea as, of what it means. We both do, and I'm sure everybody else does. Um, 
like I said earlier, again, it's it was formative. It was an inform. It was a formative uh, movie for me. I I found it evocative and thought provocative when I was when I was younger. And it's one of those films that stays with you. It, it, it lingers. I'm still thinking about it now. I watched it a couple of days ago. You still kind of it creep up and think, eh, what is that right? Um, all in all, really enjoy it. Uh, uh, it's not going to hit the high high tens or a nine, uh, but I gave it an eight. Oh, an eight. So fair score. So we mm. went a million miles away, Dan. Right. I give it seven. You give it an eight. Fair score overall. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one to watch. And if anyone is listening to this and they haven't seen it, it is on Amazon Prime at the most. So um, so check that out. Actually, one little thing to mention: um, Donnie Darko is the first movie that I've watched on DVD because I watched this on a DVD. It must be the first movie in probably like five years. Like I like who watches DVDs now? And the other day I was in CEX buying a computer game, and it was on the shelf for a quid. And I thought I'm going to buy the DVD. And what was quite funny is um, when I put the DVD in, it had that classic opening where it's all about like don't um forge the movie yeah and i'll tell you what right <laughs> yeah really heavy and like there's a guy like he's like he's like welding iron you wouldn't and steal like, a car yeah <laughs> But there's this one bit where it says it says um, it says something about uh, piracy directly funds terrorism, yeah. and I was like, "Fucking hell, they're getting a bit strong, aren't they?" Like, I mean, I think they they sort of eased off that a bit. You know what I mean? But basically, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, they were well hot and people forging yeah, videos. Yeah. It was really really big so I thought I'd just mention that because it was like a blast from the past well I watched it on a weird medium as well for the first time ever I used IMDB TV because uh, when when you announced what the next film was it's quite a while ago now and and mm. originally it was it was on Amazon Prime but I think it's come off it since mm. um, uh, I did watch it on Amazon Prime but as part of the IMD TV thing and uh, I don't know whether anybody else has, has used this uh, before uh, but it's a streaming service but also has adverts like you would on on TV um, so like <laughs> every 15 to 20 minutes uh, there'll be a commercial break and uh it, it was very strange but it, it works when you're writing notes for a film because it gives you a little bit of a breather you know yeah. um so I, I didn't mind it so if you ever get a chance to use imd tv it's all right and it was free to use with a prime subscription so uh, oh, nice. uh this is not a paid advertisement but if you want to sh- chuck us a buck uh please do <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be such a good sponsor yeah. sponsored by imdb, IMDb like, yeah. you can't get better than that no, that'd, that'd be so cool that's pretty fucking good <laughs> Right, mate, that's it. That's that's Donnie Darko. Um, but what we did uh, want to do uh, before we finish up today's episode, uh, just because we want to make it slightly longer, um, is is talk about some of our favourite imaginary characters in films. Mm. Um, so uh, we're not going to do a top five or top ten or anything, but we're just going to talk loosely about our, 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 a few of ours. Uh, so do you want to start, George? Do you want to uh, talk about one of yours? Yeah. So um, there's a few that sprung to mind straight away. So um, to kick it off, uh, one of my favourite imaginary characters. Now, actually, to be honest, this character doesn't really say a lot, but it's more um, the scenes he's in I really like, and it's more the other actor who's sort of playing off of this guy. So I'll tell you what it is. So it's um, Lloyd the Barman from The Shining. <laughs> I've got that um, as well. I mean, yeah. I, well, I'll add, I've also got Grady as well. So Grady, Lloyd yeah. the Bartender and Grady from yeah. The Shining. Yeah. I mean, they're both great. Um, I watched this Lloyd scene today, just to, you know, before the podcast, just to, um, you know, remind myself. And it's such a good scene. You've got Jack Nicholson walking into the bar. There's no one in there. It's, it's completely dead. He, he says, oh, I'd give anything for a drink. And then he looks up and then the barman just appears. Yeah. And we've talked about this barman before on, on the podcast because he's appeared in one of our movies and, you know, in another movie. And um, he, 
oh, he's such a creepy looking guy. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, but he looks really creepy. He's really softly spoken, and um, basically he serves Jack Nicholson, you know, his uh, his 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 uh, whiskey and his ice and stuff. And um, I just love the way that Jack Nicholson sort of talks to him, and he's a proper like shoulder to cry on, you know. He, Jack Nicholson proper like bends his ear off, you know, and he's just mm. a creepy, spooky. I mean, he's imaginary slash a ghost, so I don't know sort of where he falls. But yeah, Lloyd for me is a is a really good imaginary character. I love his scene. Yeah, great shout. Uh, my first one I wanted to mention was uh, a little bit different to that. And um, well, it's, it's I think it's a character close to your heart, uh, George, because you were him uh, a couple of weeks ago, hmm. uh, which is from the movie Castaway. And it's Wilson. <laughs> He's on my list too. So <laughs> what is it about Wilson then that you like? Well, I like the fact that you and your uh, lovely <laughs> wife dressed up as him and and uh, uh, Tom Hanks uh, for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> I think we should probably put that on our Instagram again, mate. Just to, uh, It's already up there, isn't it? It's so already up. Anyone, anyone wants to see it, go over to Infinite Film Club on Instagram and and take a look. Uh, but yeah, he, he uh, for, for an inanimate object, effectively, he has such an impact on the movie and such an, an, an emotional oomph. Uh, that whole scene of him, uh, of uh, Tom Hanks kind of, screaming his name has gone down you know as, as a bit of a parody in certain in certain circles but um it's quite an emotional moment for the fact that he's just lost a volleyball basically like mm. it's it, it really it hits hits you when you're watching the film because it's, it means so much to him it, that that ball has helped him sorry i keep that ball wilson has helped him that ball poor wilson <laughs> sorry wilson <laughs> that wilson has helped him get out of you know stay alive stay sane mostly uh, and, and get out of there so it has such he has such an impact um for for something that is just washed up on shore and i think you know out of all the out of all the imaginary uh characters on, on this list i think that's one that has the most heart absolutely i mean um before we dressed up as um uh the guy from cast tom hanks and um and, and wilson um i watched cast away uh just in the build-up just i haven't seen it in years you know mm. and um Oh, it probably hits me that Wilson bit. It yeah. is sad, and like it's, it's a testament to like what a great film that is, and what great acting Tom it's, Hanks. It's the performance. It, like, like a lot of people would have just like, that would look like shite, but yeah, he just it works. Oh man, it's good. And also another thing I love about that is the way Wilson's like conceived of is like well organic and natural. Like you know, he cuts his hand, he shoves it, he grabs the ball, and he throws it in rage, and then that handprint becomes the face. Mm -hmm. And like I don't know, it just it just works really well. And like, you know, why is he called Wilson? The ball's called Wilson. It just yeah. it works really well, and that was a great idea for the, for the film. And the, mm. the film would be nowhere near as good without that because, you know, at its core, it's a bloke on his own on an island. So that, no one to talk to. No one to talk to. That doesn't make a film. Yeah. So Wilson, I know it's an inanimate object, but it's one of the most important parts of the whole film because mm. it really does give you know the the main character something to to do and to talk to, and it gives it a bit of comedy and stuff. So yeah. great choice, mate. It was, Wilson was on my list. As well, so um, we're crossing over so far. Let's see if uh, we continue to do so. What's next? We are indeed. So my next one, um, I, I'm cheating a bit. I, I've gone to a TV one, um, and it's a little bit topical because um, so basically TV show that I love. I don't know if you've watched it. I'm sure if you did, you would like it. Is Dexter? You're a Dexter yes, fan, fan? Yeah. Amazing. So um, in Dexter, for people that haven't seen um, Dexter, often sees uh, his um, dad. 
uh, as, as like a ghost, basically talking to him all the time mm -hmm. because uh, his dad is basically reminding him all the time, you've got to be careful. You're a serial killer, mate, but you've got to do it on the so All through the, the first sort of seven seasons, his dad is there sort of talking to him, you know, saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's topical because about two weeks ago, a new series of Dexter dropped, which I've been like majorly hooked on. And um, without giving too much away, um, uh, a ghost uh, comes back in the new series of Dexter to talk to him. So basically uh, a lot of Dexter is him talking to an imaginary character mm. and um, he's played by um, James Remar. And um, basically he just plays a great part in Dexter. He's a really like good, loving, um, caring dad, you know, who, and the funny thing about it is he's trying to like give his son good advice about serial killing. So that's hilarious. Um, just a little tidbit on him. I watched um, a good documentary the other day, um, uh, the movies that made us. And it turns out that the Michael Biehn character in Aliens was meant to be played by Harry Remar and they shot like quite a lot of scenes of him in and then at the time he was hooked on heroin and um, he said basically I got busted by the police raided and arrested and so James Cameron was like you're fired <laughs> so he was, and so basically they literally that night rang up Michael Biehn and went we need you right now to come and do a movie. And Michael Biehn just went, yeah, fine. Didn't know anything about the movie. Jumped into it. Did Aliens, obviously. What a great hit. But yeah, little funny tidbit on James Remar. But yeah, he's a character I like. He's an imaginary character I'm into. So mm. that's my third. Nice. My, my next one is uh, actually a film that we've talked about on this uh, podcast, uh, which is uh, Exorcist. Uh, do you remember the imaginary character in that? Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy, indeed. Is that on your list? Captain Howdy's not on my list, oh, no. Okay. It, to be honest, it didn't even come into my thoughts. But, I mean, yeah. a film I love. What a good choice. Only a short uh, short appearance as well. But uh, I, I just couldn't not mention it because I know we, we talked about it in quite detail in our, uh, our Exorcist overview. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's another one. My, my next few, um, uh, I'm just going to finish off my list, if that's okay, mate. Oh. Uh, Elvis Presley and True Romance. I always, oh, I love that movie. used to blow my mind. Yeah, so uh, cool. Um, and the, the final lot are ones that I always think of, but I haven't seen these films in so long, I haven't got enough to say about them. Um, so, uh, Beetlejuice, haven't seen it in a very long time. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Love <laughs> Beetlejuice, man. He's awesome. Drop Dead Fred, have you ever seen that? Mate, that is my like on my list. I fucking love that film. Yeah, well, actually, thing. caveat, I like Dan, I haven't seen it in ages. <laughs> so as soon as Dan said to me, imaginary characters from films it's the first one I thought of yeah like, me too yeah. literally straight away I was chatting to my cousin today and I said oh tonight we're doing imaginary film characters and he went got to talk about Drop Dead Fred like <laughs> I think for people our age in their 30s it's you know I haven't got enough to say about it because I haven't seen it so long and I, I, I wanted to fit it in this week so I could actually speak about it but um, yeah maybe maybe another time um, and my final one similarly haven't seen it in a very long time but I used to love this film as a kid it's probably shit but a, a little known film called Bogus uh, star starring Gerard Depardieu as as the uh, eponymous uh, bogus, and he is a literal uh, imaginary friend to a little kid, and he's this actual big French guy. Um, uh, it's fascinating. I'd, like, I'd love to watch that uh, uh, soon as well. But um, yeah, those are the ones that stick in my head uh, for different reasons. Uh, you know, some of them are just childhood ones, uh, giving you explanations as to what imaginary friends are. I had a, I had a really good friend in school who had an imaginary friend for about six years. Uh, she's just, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, and I was like, I never understood. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, no one there. And he's like, oh, watch this film, Bogus. And I watched this film and I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'll tell you what, right? I haven't got kids. Obviously, you, you've got two. But if one of your kids said, oh, there's like a little boy in my room playing with me, like that one, that, <laughs> that would sound fucked up. But the sorry, but like just it would really scare me. If, yeah. I, if I had a kid and they went, oh, I'm playing with a little boy upstairs, or, or, you know, so 
whatever. It would really freak me out. It would. I, I'd basically think there's a ghost there. And yeah. it, would, it would scare. It's 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 scary enough hearing like my my eldest is four, and it's scary enough hearing him in his room playing and talking to himself. You know, like <laughs> with other like with action figures yeah. and stuff and making voices. Oh. And you're like, imagine if you, you know, like exactly what you're saying. He I comes mean, out and said, "Yeah, I've been playing upstairs with." With who? Yeah. With he says he's lived here for years. Yeah. Um, the little boy, like, <laughs> yeah. oh mate, don't that'd be fucking too scary. Uh, I'm sure loads of parents listening would say, yeah, same thing. Um, well, what else you got, mate? So, um, we actually, uh, I actually asked Sinistructure. Um, I said to Jen and Daniel, uh, could they um give us a list of you know their sort of most memorable and their favourite imaginary characters? Nice. So some we've already mentioned. I'll read out their list. Um, I've heard of most of them. There's a couple actually. We haven't seen the film, so maybe you've seen it, Dan. So, first one. Now this is probably like one of the most popular ones um i knew it would come up at some point so tyler durden from <laughs> fight club yes, yeah um i mean he's he's a great character yeah the, the thing with that film is that he's he's in it so much that it's easy to forget that he's not real in the mm-hmm. film isn't it Do you know what yeah. i mean it's um he's not a fleeting appearance he's in like he's like the main character um so that's a good one um they also mentioned drop dead fred so that's good and that's cool that drop dead fred is is in the contract, yeah, it's it's a, I mean, it's an American film, but obviously it's Rick Mayo, and he's he's very British, and the the humor is very silly, and so that's cool that mm. you know Americans know Drop Dead Fred, and they're fans, so that's awesome. Um, so this one, a film uh, come out a few years ago, um, Jojo Rabbit, the Hitler character. Yeah, I was, I was tempted to put that on, but yeah, I, I avoid played it. Played by I can never say the game Tiki Wati, <laughs> Taika Watiti. That's the one. Yeah. So they also uh, went with uh, Wilson from Castaway. So again, a popular choice. So the next one now. I've seen this movie, but I, I don't know who this character is. This might be an animal. Uh, Frank from I Am Legend. Oh. Does that ring a bell? I haven't seen that in so long. Nah, I haven't seen it in ages as well. And when when I read it, I thought, is that the dog maybe? But Oh, it's the... Um... It's the mannequin that he talks to. and, and he, uh, Yeah. Oh, again, okay. haven't seen that in a yeah. very long time. Yeah, so Frank either. from yeah. I Am Legend. But a good shout because yeah. that's, uh, that's one that's under the radar. Um, they've also, I mean, this is a classic. They've gone with Mrs. Bates from Psycho. Oh, yeah. That, do you know what? I considered it and I was like, well, yeah. But yeah, great choice though. like Because she really is just a presence in it, isn't she? Yeah. And, uh, and the way he talks about his mum, you yeah. think, you know, she's there, but she's but just a, she a mum. She did. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Yes, it's only been out what sixty years, sixty odd years. <laughs> yeah. Um, last couple. Then they've got um, they've got Marshall from Mr. Brooks. Ring a bell, Marshall from I Mr. Brooks. I haven't seen Mr. Brooks. Maybe have a little look it up and see if that like rings any bells. Did didn't to me. Um, like us, they went with Delbert Grady from The Shining. So again, a great yeah. choice. They went with Manny from Swiss Army Man. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Swiss Army Man, but yeah, um, that's the one where he uh, is he a dead body. I believe he's a dead body. Old Manny. <laughs> yeah, isn't he played by Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like a dead body. Being oh, yeah. now I know the movie. Swiss yeah. Army Man. Like, I remember this coming out and thinking, God, that's a bit mental. Right, yeah. good choice, guys. I've been meaning to watch that for a very long time. Yeah. It's one of those films that just never gets watched by myself. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a prompt. I'll, I'll, I'll go away and, and watch that. It's uh, always under structures on, recommendation. It's always on the list, isn't it? And yeah. the last one um, is, a, is a very good choice. I would never have thought of it. Is um, Elliot from Peach Dragon. Oh yeah, yeah, good <laughs> so, shout. Old classic Disney movie there. So yeah. really, really good list. Thanks, Cine Structure, for sending in your um, you know, your favourite imaginary characters. And obviously we're talking about imaginary characters today because of Frank from um, you know, uh from Donnie Darko. Who actually, if I was doing this whole list again, Frank would be one of my favourites. Yeah. I fucking love Frank. But is he imaginary? Oh. Uh, you know? Oh. 
like, <laughs> honestly, we could just talk about this all night. So there's only one last thing then to um, do on the podcast and that is um, our next film so again me and Dan are mixing it up a little bit this week so anyone who's a regular listener will know that every single time we pick a new movie we basically pick a cast member and then we pick the next film with that same cast member you know film that contains them usually it goes Dan's pick my pick Dan's pick my pick um, this week though to mix it up um, we said to Cine Structure why don't you pick the film what would you want to hear us talk about next uh, we said you know give us anything so cine structure delivered and they um sent in uh the movie that we're going to be doing next and i think that'll be a regular thing now so when when you're the infinite film cameo yeah you, you can you can choose the movie yeah your choice and what i quite like about it is that is that me and dan we we do really like strive to like to talk about different stuff it could be old it could be new it could be films we know aren't good but it'd be interesting to talk about but this adds a whole new element because we we got no control over this. It could, out of our hands. Yeah, completely out of our hands. So before I announce what Cine Structure have have, have recommended us, um, where would you go, Dan? So if you were going to be picking the movie, what would you have picked? Uh, what springs to mind? I had one immediately um, already lined up because there's a film that I've seen once and uh, not revisited in a, a very long time. Uh, so it's uh, a, a another... Jake Gyllenhaal starer um, and it's uh, Source Code uh, by director Duncan Jones David Bowie's uh, son um, and I've, I've seen it once and I remember enjoying it and I remember there being a bit of a fuss about it at the time um, and I, yeah I'd just like to revisit it so that's what I would choose um, as to where Sinistructure have gone uh, I have no idea what would you have chosen mate? What would I have chosen? That is a good question um i didn't give it too much for and that's because um it, it wasn't my turn to pick but um going with like you i probably would have gone jake gyllenhaal because he uh, he's an actor i like actually a lot and um southport it was that would have been a good shout so that's a film i haven't seen i've always wanted to you know i like a, a boxing movie and he looks fucking ripped as hell um in <laughs> have you, that have you not seen it no nah, oh, never seen it actually do you know what i know what i would have gone i know what i would have gone with right I would have gone with 100%. I would have gone Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, because yeah. I just think that would have, that would have really, like, you know, again, it would have sort of mixed it up a little bit. You know, yeah. it's a completely different vibe. But obviously, the, the, it's no Brokeback Mountain and it's not, um, I'm it's intrigued, not source, source code. So I'm very, I've never been more intrigued as to where <laughs> we're going because I can't second guess it. Because I've, I've guessed, sometimes I've guessed yeah, what you've gone for. You have. You've sort uh, of, like, you've, oh, no, George. Yeah. You know. uh, no, George. I do not you know Sinistructure as well. No. Uh, so there's no guessing. Where have we gone? So I'll tell you where we've gone. So the, um, the, they've actually picked an actress to, to live link and um they've picked uh, a, a lady who puts in a really really good uh plays a really good part in donnie darko so they have gone with beth grant and she plays um kitty farmer in donnie darko so the um the, the sort of meddling teacher you know so yeah. she's a complete bitch in this film but she plays a really really good part and the movie that they have chosen for us to go to next is the film little miss sunshine 2006 <laughs> which you mentioned earlier i did and I, I i sort of deliberately dropped that in as a tiny little tidbit because obviously i knew the film and you didn't Dan, yeah. do you know what i mean so um i dropped that in so what do you think about little miss sunshine is in like you know where we're going yeah great uh, i, I, I can see why uh, people obsessed with uh, kind of uh, the cinematic side of things would choose it as well it's it like it's it's very like it's a cine literate film isn't it um yeah interesting i haven't seen it since probably the year it was out so it's it's been a while since i've seen it um 
yeah, looking forward to that. Good choice. And also, there's two of like our favorite actors in that. You've got that Tony Collette in it. Yeah. You've also got that um Paul Dano, and mm-hmm. I mean, amongst others, you know, you've got a Steve Carell in it and stuff. It, yeah, I'm um I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I've only seen it the once. Yeah, and, me too. Um, I like it was a while ago. I saw it, and I remember thinking it was. It was an odd movie. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, I remember I couldn't really, like, place it. I was like, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I didn't <clears> say I liked it. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and so these are my favourite ones. The ones where we go in, I think, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to make of right. that. So good choice, Cine Structure. Yeah, very good choice. Cracking choice. And I'm sure uh, people uh, listening are going to play along and and watch it. Uh, As I said earlier, if you want to be part of the Infinite Film uh, if you want to be part of the Infinite Film cameo and be the uh, next week's guest reviewer slash film chooser um where, where can people send us audio clips and text easy peasy well the first place is they can go on our instagram and all they got to do is search for infinite film club and they can private message us they can like you know they can like comment on any of our things like that's cool we'll always message back and like that's what we're you know real keen on is getting like is hearing other people's opinions and like what they think of movies and things so that's the first place secondly we have got a website as well which is awesome so you can go on that and you can have a look at all our back catalog the third thing is we have an email address, infinitefilmclub at gmail.com. So that's another way. Um, I mean, the last thing, I mean, I'm not going to give my mobile number out, but you know what I mean? Like, it, mates who have got it, you know, you can WhatsApp me, whatever you think, because, um, you know, people do. So, yeah, plenty of ways to, um, you know, get in contact with us here at Infinite Film Club. So do, like, we love talking to people about movies. And like I say, thanks for Cine Structure for, you know, sort of joining in with the Donnie Darko episode. We really enjoyed it. And, you know, if you want to, like Dan said, get involved with um, Little Miss Sunshine, just <laughs> hit us up. Love it. Good stuff. Well, that's uh, the end of uh, t- this episode. Uh, thanks again to uh, Jen and Daniel from uh, Cine Structure and uh, we look forward to hearing uh, more of your opinions uh, in the future Uh, but for now uh, we'll speak to you next week and talk about Little Miss Sunshine Boom looking forward to it mate Cheers George Cheers mate mate. Bye. Bye Wake up